Hi, I'm Harry. I'm Luke. And welcome to Who Can Convince You? The podcast where we discuss two Doctor Who stories to see which one can convince you. And a few other bits thrown in there too. Welcome to episode four. How are you, Luke? I'm all right, Harold. How are you? Yep. I'm not too bad yet. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Groovy. Groovy. Yeah. It's <laughs> a sign of things to come. Uh, so before we get into the bulk of the podcast, uh, we've had a little discussion, have we not? We have. And we have something that we'd like to just sort of get off our chests, mm. as it were. Um, so, uh, yeah, so a few... About two weeks ago now, I was doing my daily troll of Twitter, looking at all of the desperation and despair that's on there, Mm. and I managed to, I stumbled upon a podcast that uh, announced that they were going to be starting doing Battles in Time. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is after we'd started doing it. I don't want everybody to sort of roll their eyes at this point and sort of think it's petty. This is more a sort of a That's thing to say. Story. Yeah, you know, I, I I want it to just sort of come across a bit more as in not we did it first. No. I want it to sort of come across as... I want this you to know that we're not copying it. Yeah, we're not copying yeah. it. This is just a situation. The, yeah, we'll tell the story first. Yeah, so... I noticed that, and I told you, I think, didn't I, as soon as I saw mm. it, I said, oh, there's another podcast that's doing Battles in Time. And um, and I believe it's in a similar format to what we are doing it in. Yeah, like two cards, battle, and, you know, create a story out of it and things like that. Yeah, you know, so that was it, really. There was nothing. They are quite a big podcast. Mm. Um well, we they were doing the same episodes as well as what we're doing this week as well. That, yeah, that's what I was going to come on to. So about three or four days ago, I spotted on Twitter somebody had shared or liked that post, a post that they'd put out, saying that they were going to be doing the same episodes that we are doing this week as well. Hmm. Um, Journey's End. Storm In the Earth, same format, new and, and old. Revelation of the Daleks, yeah. So... Not to sort of provoke a Twitter war, I um, I just commented on it saying, oh, we're doing those stories as well. Because it, obviously, it's like if someone else is doing the same stories, that's brilliant. Because yeah, you know, it would be interesting to find out like what they had to say about it, what we had to say about it. It's, that's amazing. And that for, format of new and old, it's nothing yeah. new. No, and every, these stories are obviously going to be covered. There's going to be a crossover at some point because... You know, how many millions of Doctor Who podcasts are there? Yeah. And the majority of them, we're going to be looking at Doctor Who stories because it's a television programme. Mm-hmm. You know, so so I just commented on their thing saying, oh, we're doing those stories as well. And then I found out about 10 minutes later that they'd reported and blocked our account. Mm. So we had a lovely email off Twitter saying, your account has been reported for 
whatever behaviour it was. So if I had their name, I would call them out. <laughs> on, <laughs> I think on it's the a good podcast. thing that we don't anyway. Well, you know, yeah, but I just want to. I just wanted to clear the air about it. Really, that I'd rather, yeah, it just be known that this is yeah. happening rather than somebody stumble across us and think, are they just copying? Yeah. Da, 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 da. This is the thing that hurt me because it, it was. It's an awful thing. Um, because pretty much the entire episode that you're going to listen to now, the whole format is been ripped off. Really. Yeah. So yeah. Essentially. And obviously we have no right to any of this. We haven't copyrighted anything, patented anything. Obviously anyone can do it and do exactly what we're doing. But the problem I have is um, we are very small for a podcast. Yeah, you know. And we're growing. You know, it's I remember last, last week we hit 100 listens. Wow. And that felt like there was another yeah. eight noughts on the end of that. Yeah. And, you know, we've got, and I will say... You know, this is only our a fifth episode, isn't it? It's episode four yeah. of the full thing. But we've already got, you know, like a few listeners that are, are with us. It's fantastic every time, and it's brilliant. You know, it's great and to have like a bigger, much bigger podcast. We're talking like over a thousand followers on Twitter. Yeah, I'm sure it was either seventeen hundred something mm. around that mark, anyway. And for them to take the idea completely and you know spin it so it's like their idea. And then when we try and contact them about it, like, like, because I'd love to work with people, because like, this content we're making is for you know the listeners, our audience, and yep. to collaborate with all these podcasters to you know come together and make something great is amazing to me. But then for us to contact them and then block us, well, exactly. You know, I wasn't calling it out. I just sort of no. thought I'd mention that we're doing that as well. Mm. Uh, you know, I hold my hand up. There was a bit of anger there. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's a frustrating but, thing. You know, but, it's and it's a thing. We've had so much support from other podcasts. Is yeah, it came as a shock to me that this was a, this would happen. Yeah, you know, and I hold I hold both my hands up if there is a podcast that is already doing battles yeah, in time. Absolutely, absolutely. I don't know of anybody. That's why when you mm. came up with the idea. I thought, what a great idea to sort yeah. of make it different from just we're going to review some more Doctor yeah. Who stories. Because that is the format of a lot. And it works, you know, it works. I'm not knocking it because we're, mm. you know, we're doing it as well. But if we're not the first people that were doing that, I just want to make it clear that I did yeah, not. Yeah, I'm sorry to anyone who, who did it first, you know. And this might be the same case with them. Yeah, exactly. But the, the pro- problem comes where... If they are, if they did happen to do the same episodes we're doing this week, with the same, and they started, just started this Battles in Time thing as well as us, you know, yeah. you know, after we already did it. And then when we try and contact them, they block us and, you know, delete the comments so no one can see. It just begs the question, like, are you completely ripping us off and trying to crush us because we're smaller? Yeah, exactly. And that's yeah, what exactly. really hurt me. Do you know what? And, They're scared. That's what it is. They're <laughs> terrified. But... When all said and done, we don't have any copyright to any of this. Anyone can use anything. It's just, exactly. I think the the problem comes for me is that morally, it's not okay. Yeah, yeah. At the end of and the And this day. happens all the time. You've got Asda and Aldi. You know, you've got FIFA and Pez. You've got Forza and Gran Turismo on Xbox. And, you know, the, the same things that, you know. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's hard that when 
it is a much bigger podcast. And exactly, you know. You know, I don't want people to look at us and think that, oh, they're just copying to try and get on the back yeah. of these. And it's, I was just, it was the one of the one of the things that you know with our music and stuff like that that set us apart from the rest, and it was exciting to like, develop these things. Yeah, you know, it's uh, and uh, to be honest, yeah, I haven't got much more to say about it really. I just wanted no. it to be out in the open there, yeah, and more of a thing to just say thanks to everybody who's listening to us and downloads us because yeah. I d- uh, genuinely I thought nobody would listen to this. I thought we were going to have, like, yeah. two goes and then realise we've had one download. Yeah. And that was me. Yeah. You know, but, you know, we've done four episodes, five episodes now for normal. And I think, do you know what? I'm going to have a look now. I'm going to have a look. Do it. Um, I didn't want to do this at first. I thought I'm never going to mention how many listens we've had because it might be a bit sort of, you've had... Is that all? Well, well, no, I think us saying this, you know, at the very beginning, like, we want to be honest and open. We want yeah, to build a community. I think that's what hurts about this situation is that it's, yeah, I, I don't see this as a money-making business, you know, not for us. And, you know, we're doing it, out, you know, our fun and, and things like that. And we want to make the best content we can. And... We were so excited when we saw we had feedback, we saw we had listeners, and it's fantastic. It blew my mind. It blew my mind that I said to people, could you send in some feedback? And people sent in feedback. Uh, And we've just just ticked over to 129 listens. That's amazing. In our, and we've been going since January the something. (laughs) (laughs) I I just hope people can understand our frustration. It's. I think it's. It's understandable, but whether we're just completely naive to this, and this is the creative industry, and this is how things work, yeah. I would imagine this happens all the time. But uh, this is our first attempt at getting out there. And, and uh, can I just say something else? Yeah, I've just noticed we have our first follower on Podbean. Like somebody really? put, like followed us. So Martin, I have a feeling I might know who this is. Uh, it could be. I'm not going to mention it, just in case I'm sort of blowing smoke up my own ass. But um, yeah, thank you for thank, thank you for you. the follow. But yeah, you know, it it really means a lot. Like yeah. Oh. So <laughs> after we had all this news, I was debating like, well, is there any point in the battles and time thing anymore? You know. Yeah. And it, that really hurt. But you grow up, don't you? You know. I think that's all we have to say, though. Really. Yeah. I, we just wanted to get it out there that. We we're not copying, you know. We're trying to make something original. Yeah, uh, as an original as you can be with a format. Yeah, of course. Like, because of... essentially nothing's an original idea, and I get that. Good artists borrow, great artists steal. Right. So the other but, podcasts are doing... so they're great. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> oh. So anyway, yeah. So to everybody who's listening. Thank you very much for yeah. listening, and thank you for all of the feedback because it really does, you know. Other mm. since music has gone down the drain and we haven't had a single gig or anybody saying, "Oh, thanks, that's good," you know. Yeah, this has been our sort of, and I think for you as well, really, this has been the only creative outlet that. Yeah, so I do, you know, films and things like that, and I think we're in very different mediums because you're. 
very much used to performing live. Like you have one chance. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where I'm, you know, your, your gig, sorry, and I'm more of like pre-production, get all the documents ready, where's the location recce and things like that, get the crew, and then day of filming, and then post-production, you can edit away, you know? Yeah. So, it's, but th- this yeah. is a, a really nice medium for us that we came together and could create something that we're both fond of. <laughs> it's all right, isn't it, I suppose? Yeah, it's all right. It's okay. Um, and, yeah, to have it, like, just dampened straight out the gate by, you know, this situation. Yeah. And I will say, you know, Twitter is not a great place at the moment. No. Especially for fandom. And yeah. it is... I. To be honest, I stayed away from the whole online Doctor Who world, so I don't know what it was like, but it feels, since I've sort of joined back with Twitter, since the sort of Jodie era, it's got very hostile for no reason. Mm. You know, there's there's no need for it, you know. Mm. The whole not-my-doctor stuff is just... Yeah. It's horrible. So, I just, yeah... We'll leave it there, and I just want to say thanks to everybody for listening because it really does mean a lot. Yeah, um, thank you very much. To know that people are there. So, the last thing I will say we... on this, sorry. Oh, go on. <laughs> and the last thing I'll say on this is, uh, you know, there are good things to come out of this situation. Where we now have direct competition, and we need to up our game. Yeah, <laughs> that's. The and if you now, do it so. again, I am warning you now. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it just comes to question do you is it better to have competition to get better content because this is what it's all about bringing better content to our listeners and yeah. is it this competition that'll bring better or is it a collaboration that'll bring better content like if we had you know people interviewed and things like that if they well, talk to us and we could collaborate we'll we'll have to see well out of those two let's see who can convince you should we get into it should we do it let's get on with the main bit So, moving back to our main segment, the Who Can Convince You segment. So today we're going to be having a look at three stories, but two separate storylines, isn't it? Yeah. So we've got the double parter, Stolen Earth and Journey's End, and then we've got the uh, season 22 story, Revelation of the Daleks. What did we do last time? Was it Old Who first or New Who? It was Old Who first. We did Moonbase first. It's time for your sham, boy. <laughs> Sorry, should I do it a bit more um Alexi Sale? Yeah. It's time for you to shine, boy. Is that better? Yeah, it's alright, yeah. Oh, thanks. That wasn't that unbelievably embarrassing. That's the sort no. of thing when you listen to it, or if you heard somebody else doing it, you feel embarrassed for them. No. All right, because your fine. interpretation, if it was a terrible interpretation, yeah, because like, it was all right, like it was pretty good. Fair you don't want it too good because it's like it's not that funny. Exactly, yeah. That's it why sometimes impressionists on... aren't that funny, are they? Because it's no. too good. But it fringes on, you know, that's quite comedic, actually. Well done, Harold. No, thank you. Right. I'm going to show me, mum. 
All right, let's go. Let's go. Give us some context. Stolen Earth. Written by. Who's it written by? Probably Russell T. Davis, isn't it? Russell T. Davis. When Earth and 26 other planets are stolen and taken to. The Medusa Cascade. And the duck. What? That was me sucking those planets up. And the Doctor is nowhere in sight. It's up to the... No, I'm not going <laughs> to... Why are you reading it like CBBC? I don't know. And the Doctor is nowhere in sight. It's up to the combined forces of Unit, Torchwood, Sarah and Rose to fight off the thieves who only have one thing to say to the res- resistant fuck. Who only have... Who only have one thing to say to the resistance. Exterminate. Wow. Thanks for that. Stolen Earth, right. Immediate thoughts. It's blatantly a fan service story, isn't it? It's a celebration of how far Doctor Who has come from season one of the new show. He started with him on his own. And now he's got a whole family, if you will. The posse. The fam, as some might say. <laughs> a fam. And I promise I will not say that again. All right, then. But the so, fam, do- as some... <laughs> <laughs> so, as a story, I think it's serviceable. Fan service does a good job. And I feel like that's about what this story represents. It's not an outstanding thing, yet it feels like it's trying to be. And in some parts it succeeds, other parts it really fails to deliver. That's what I would have to say to sum this up. Yeah. I'd I'd probably agree for the most part. You'd probably agree. Yeah. It's... I wrote a a one-line review that my brain tells me it's crap. Yeah. But I enjoy it. Yeah, and, and I, I think I, that's the fan service part. Yeah, I think it is a sort of, oh my God, there's Davros. Oh my God, there's Daleks. Yeah. Oh my God, there's Sarah J. Oh God, there's Mickey and Jackie. Oh, and Rose. there's Rose. <laughs> but, you know. Um, I was his yeah. companion too, you fuck. What's the matter, darling? I don't worry about it, darling. Oh, it's all right, Jackie, oh. I got this. Don't worry about it. So, yeah, my brain tells me it's crap. But I do. I really enjoy the story. I could. I could watch it again now. Right. I said I could. I could. I could. I could watch <laughs> it again now. Okay, I think that's a good start. So let's break it down. Break, break it down. down. <laughs> <laughs> For God's sake! Well, I think we were too inspired by the DJ in yeah, um, Revelation of the Daleks. So oh, Christ! So let's break it down. Stolen Earth. Uh, the first scene we see Rose, isn't it? 
She's back. She is. Now, let's immediately comment on Rose and her position in this story. She Well, she's in the middle of the road, isn't she? And I think that's a good metaphor for where she's in the story. Like, <laughs> she honestly, she may as well not be there because the characters can't see her, apart from I, when you know, the doctor's on the floor dying. Yeah, I feel a lot of these characters are in there for no reason, or yeah. sort of, uh, they're sort of shoehorned in there, aren't they? As sort of for sure, yeah, as as pawns to be played. Yeah, and in Rose's case, she's not even on the board. No, it's 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 a tricky one, isn't it? The whole I think the problem is and the new new who does this quite a lot. I say it does this quite a lot. It's done it with Rose and it's done it with Clara as well from what I remember where they kill a character off or not necessarily kill them. They get rid of a character and then they just keep bringing them back. So it's sort of uh, there's no point to it. You feel nothing for the character because you've sort of got used to them not being there. But yeah. then they bring it back again. And then they get rid of her. And then they bring her back again. And I'm sure, from what I remember, the whole Clara storyline is like that. Like, she leaves all the time. Mm. And then she comes back. And then she's gone. And then she comes back. And then she's gone. And and that if, only detracts, doesn't it, from... Well, yeah, you know, you're, you're blowing your big... Your yeah. first finale of getting rid of her. So the whole Rose is in a parallel world and she cannot get back because it's going to rip the universe in half. You can't mm. do it. And now she's back. Just like that. So it's sort of, well, yeah. It just stamps on everything you've done before. Mm. So, and there's no need for her to be there other no, than to maybe only be there. A, a ratings boost. Because she's only there for a fan service role, isn't she, really? But. I feel it's only detrimental to her whole story arc, and I feel it'd be a lot more impactful if she only came back once. I feel like you can get away with a character coming back once. Twice if you're a good writer. But if she came back for the 50th, only. Yeah. Even I don't I don't know if anyone wants her back, though. Is she a popular character? I'd say so, yeah. Probably. Probably. Okay. Well, she, the thing is, though, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of Rose... No. And I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of Tennant, but we're not talking about him. We're talking about Rose. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I'm not a big fan of Rose, but she is a, a good character because she's very of the time. And I'd say she's quite believable. Yeah. In the sense of, well, maybe more so with the Eccleston era, she's more believable because, you know, she like she works in Primark or whatever, and she's she's just a normal... One of the mill surf girl, you know what yeah. I'm saying? So it works. I don't, I don't know what else I was going to add to that. It's probably very profound, I'm sure. <laughs> it works. as She works as a character. But when she's forced into plot lines that she shouldn't really be in, I think it becomes more evident that that character just wouldn't fit in that situation. Like she was belonged in the Eccleson era. And you yeah, know, throughout and in the tenant, she you could see her grow in the second season with tenant. Oh, she did, like, bloom, she, didn't she? Yeah, she got a lot more comfortable, and uh, I think tenant really, I'd say helped her out. But I, I think it's rather like we've already said, it's two school children giggling at the back of the class. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not a fan of them together. I've got to be honest. 
It, <laughs> it is. It genuinely is my kryptonite. Yeah. The Ro- Rose and Tenant. Well, that and Ooh. child actors. Oh yeah, child actors as well. Yeah, all teeth. <laughs> it's like musical actors. You know, people that are in terrible musicals, and yeah. they have to sing like that. You know, all oh god. It's like you know when John Barrowman sings. Hmm. It's like that. It's unbearable. To some. Sorry, John. I like him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like him. I like him. Just don't sing. So after Rose's little bit at the beginning, we get a title sequence, and then we start can we, having... Can we talk about the title sequence? We can. Now, I didn't pick up on this, but you did, because I, I thought did. it was fair. It was one of those that wasn't really noticeable, but go for I it. Thought it. I thought it was dreadful. Right. It was... <laughs> it was... Um, <laughs> it was a, a theme tune that came across as if it was a competition for your high school band to play mm. in the Doctor Who theme tune. And it's... I don't know what it is. It just I I'd, I'd completely forgotten about this variation of the theme. The whole it's, it's very guitar heavy. Everything's is a, playing the bass the bass line. Is this in season four? Like this is throughout season four. Uh, I don't know. I don't know where you're getting this from because I think it's 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 like the episode's serviceable. It's upbeat. It's 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 very cinematic. It's yeah. It's over time, isn't it? Yeah. I'm just not a fan. I hold my hand up. But what is it exactly that you don't like? Uh, everything. Right, okay. <laughs> no, no, it's... No. It's just... It's too... It's too organic. And I think that's the problem with a lot of the New Who themes, is they're, they're just using the BBC Concert Orchestra all oh, the time. Oh, I see what you mean. Where the old Whereas ones like, like the xylophones, is it? And... Xylophones. I don't fuck now. What what is it called? You know, I blah, we said blah, this blah, before. Blah, yeah, blah, I know blah, what blah. they are now. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a synth. It's the other one. It's it's music concrete. That's the one. So I the know... original. The original theme is uh, up until the eighties where it went synthy. Um, yeah, and I think it works. It works better for then. But then again, you put that in now, it sort of feel out of place probably. But. I'm not a fan of this variant. I'm not a fan of the title sequence or the logo. The logo is very dated. Yeah, I will say that. It just reminds me of all the Doctor Who Adventures magazines. Yeah. And it's the thing on all the Battles in Time cards, isn't it? I think it at is. the top. Yeah. All the things. <laughs> so, um, oh, hang on. We've missed a bit, haven't we, from the beginning of the story? The Doctor stepping out of the TARDIS with the Milkman. Oh, Christ, not, yeah. not literally stepping out of the tanks with the milkman. <laughs> with the milkman. <laughs> oh, thank you. Oh, thanks for that. I couldn't get this milking on time if it weren't for your target. Um, yeah, so within 30 seconds, I've had enough of tenant. Saturday. What What day is it? Saturday. Uh, yeah, I like, oh. I like Saturdays. Oh. Start, I'm going to talk everything. I'm going to say everything to my teeth. Oh, I really like Saturdays. Clever. Oh, so it's awful. My phone, I don't know if your phone does this, but it tells me the date and time. It does, yeah. And he's got a time machine that can't tell him what the day is. Yeah. So carrying on. Anyway. 
So yeah, so we skip that. Uh, so after the theme tune, what happens? Oh, it's the earthquake then, isn't it? I think. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Martha's it... shocketh. Yeah, Mark. Martha's shocketh. Yeah. Where all of the massive objects have fallen over, except for the pencil pots and the computer screens. Well, they do that on purpose um... so no one steals them. Well, are they all glued down? Are they? Yeah, and the pencils in the pot as well. Ah, fake. <laughs> oh, well. So, Martha. We're on Martha now. I like Martha. Another re-returning, re-re-re-returning character. She did say that she would return, though, when she did leave. I, I, she I'll did. take your word for that. Because she went out the door, and then she, come, <clears throat> and she came back into the TARDIS and said, Look, I do love you. I think you're fucking thinking that. But... She said that? Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, and then she says, oh, I will see you again. And then she left. Does she talk like that? Yeah. All right, there. My name's Martha, and I've got one thing to say to you. Bye. <laughs> um, Do you like Martha? Yeah, more than Rose. I, I like... I, I feel bad. <laughs> I like Martha as well. I like her as well. I... I feel bad for her because she was never given that time to shine. Or rather, they wouldn't let her have that time to shine. She was always, like, overshadowed by Rose. And I think she, everyone was let down because everyone was begging for Catherine Tate to you know carry on after that Christmas episode. There. Was it the Christmas Invasion? Uh, not the Christmas Invasion. Uh, the Runaway Bride. Oh, uh, yeah, sorry. Or the Runaway Bride without my voice breaking. <laughs> The Runaway Bride. <laughs> <laughs> the Runaway Bride. And I think everyone was gutted. And then Martha came about and said, well, we don't want her now. We want Catherine Tate. I was the opposite. Yeah, I'm, I'm imagining a lot of people would be there. the opposite. I'm just trying to, you know, feel bad It felt this, that sort of, we saw Catherine Tate and then she disappeared, felt almost as much as a bullet dodge of, have I told you about the, <laughs> you know, the TV movie? Yeah. Uh, do you know who was originally thought of to be to play the Doctor? Oh, you did tell me one time. Who was it? Jim Carrey. Right. Woo. That was a narrow miss, wasn't it? Yeah. My second oh. most hated actor of all time. Aww. Oh, I can't stand the man. No, you, don't, you can't stand the man. I don't mind him. I It'd be like him. having Jack Black. Oh, no, He's I love Jack Black. One. He should well, be the next Doctor. You can... F- f- Anyway, the stolen earth. So Jim Carrey, he gets out the TARDIS. <laughs> no, I, I think well. Martha. So after Martha and, and the earthquake shook us, what happens then? And then, so then it's Torchwood, is it? Yeah, Torchwood three. Torchwood. Cardiff. 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 So we got the whole Torchwood crew. Now I like Torchwood, so I was like, ooh, I, I didn't remember that they were in this. I mean. I will say, hmm. after my Comic-Con experience with Torchwood, I've got a bit of a fear. Yeah. But I don't really remember watching Torchwood when it was on. I remember just not being that impressed by it. Right. I think um, I watched them on DVD. Cause I, I, was, I wasn't old enough to watch it. Oh, no. Were you not allowed? No. My brother was, so I just robbed the DVDs of him. Oh, there you go. Sorted. And then I saw, like, 
saw like Captain Jack like fuck people and stuff like I Yikes. understood like why I couldn't watch it but but I, was that really in it? Yeah, well, after the second episode, like, it's very raunchy, isn't it? Is it? Well, that is Jack's character, though, isn't it, really? Well, I don't... It was the alien who was, like, fucking people, and then they, they died. Jesus. Do you not so, remember? I d- no, I don't, no. So it, it, a capsule falls, alien comes out, and, like, it's, like, this essence, takes over this woman, and then she, like, just fucks a load of people, and they die. Brilliant. So the stolen Earth. <laughs> We're going to get through this. So, yeah, we meet Torchwood. Did you have any thoughts of Torchwood? Now, I'll say what I need to say now. Go on. I think there's a reason for all of this. Um, Apart from Captain Jack, it's pointless in being there. Yeah. What are they I there agree. for? Like, did they do anything from their little base like that impacted the story at all? The only sure reason that I can thing. think... The only reason that I can think that you'd have all of these characters in there is to make the situation feel more dire. Because mm. a character that you previously know that there's the character's been developed, mm. are built up for you to sort of fear what is going to happen to them. And it's a win-win because it's great marketing. Yeah, you know, like oh, you get all of these characters. I didn't know it was related to you know this much to Doctor Who. I'll go watch it. Oh, Sarah Jane, I'll go watch that as well. Yeah, it, it's it's good move. Um, but again, for the characters themselves, like I think it just hurts them. Why would I want to watch Tortured when they just when they don't leave the base? Is Tortured just well, they don't leave the base then? They don't have anything to do. No. Type on a keyboard, but we'll get to that. It's, so yeah, Captain Jack's and himself, and I love him for it. Yeah. Good. So, uh, after that, who do we get? Donna? No, we get Sarah Jane. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. Sarah Jane. Bannerman Road. Lovely. (laughs) Thoughts on Sarah? I love Sarah. I love Sarah Jane. She's a great great actress as well. Yeah. Actor. Miss Sladen. She's an actor. A thespian, darling. What is it now? Is Is it actor? No, like, like, do I refer to women actors as actress or actor? I, think I just, it's just seem, whatever, it's anything, isn't it? isn't it? She's an actor. Yeah. But she's an actress. Right. I don't know. Her yeah. profession is acting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. But, but she's great. Yeah, she's great. She is great. What a great actress. Mm. You know, she was always great as well. She's such a safe pair of hands. Yeah. Um, and it's the only. Uh, like actual ca- part of the cast that has been there, like when Davros was there. Does mm. that make any sense? That, well, that's the nice. That's the nice uh, sort of twist to it is that she's her and the Doctor are the reoccurring characters that have met mm. this villain before. She's the Not only that cast we... member though who actually yeah. remembers the last time seeing Davros. Exactly. Well, yeah, and it's been years and years. Yeah. So she didn't meet him in his last appearance on screen. No. So it's been a long it's been time. A while. Yeah. It was lovely seeing her again. So yeah, that's it for the all of the cast, isn't it? For this is it? chunk. Oh no, it's not. Is it? <laughs> oh god. Oh come on, darling. My favourites. They don't come into it for a while yet, do they? Well, I'll tell you what. Let's get them done now. <laughs> okay. So they come through the rift, don't they? I think similar to Rose. Yeah. 
And I think this is the worst crime of this story. What the fuck are they doing there? No one cares. They're intolerable people. <laughs> it's shocking. Where's my daughter? That's the first line for Jackie. Oh, yeah. I just I don't, I don't buy the characters. At this point, they're completely, like, they're not there for anything. Their, their story's done. Now go and die. Wow. Jesus Christ. They are, it's, yeah, I don't understand why they're there. So, if we're going to talk about the plot, the main thing of the plot is that these, the 26 planets, is it? 28 planets, 26 planets, all get taken yeah. into the Medusa Cascade. Is it the Medusa Cascade? It is the Medusa Cascade. Uh, and they're all there for a purpose that I can't quite remember, because if they're not all there, this reality bomb that the Daleks have made doesn't work to destroy it must be something all. With the, the gravity pull and things like that. Yeah, it's probably explained, but yeah. is that it? Is that the main? Yeah, and um, and he wants yeah. to set off this reality bomb to destroy your life. Yeah. Why? Because it's Davros, and he just wants yeah, to be like, dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's you know, Dalek and he just wants death to everything. But I was, I don't know. I was just an impression that he wanted the planets for himself to like live on there and like chill out. Well, I'm guessing the planets survive, but. All the inhabitants die? Yeah. I'm guessing. It's the, up to the TARDIS team to stop it. Uh, yeah. So that has happened. This is going to ha- going to happen. And uh, it's up to these lots to stop it. And this is this plan is without the Doctor in it. They're not even bothered about the Doctor. Uh, no, not at this point, are they? So they no. don't... Yeah, it's not tied together knowing the Doctor is going to be there, is it? No. So the Daleks arrive on Earth, don't they, to take over everything? How did they get there? Also, I thought they were all destroyed. T-Beam? T-Map. But they were all destroyed, though. <sighs> I don't know. Well, well that, they... one, that one Dalek escaped in the, the Manhattan thing. But where is that? Honestly, fucking god! Like, I'm st- I don't know if I've missed. I've missed loads of episodes, but like the thing I is, it was with done, all I- of the Dalek chronology is very. It's not fixed, so we're assuming this comes after whatever the last Dalek story was. But in canon, we're not entirely sure whether that did follow that story. Yeah, or is this before? before revelation of the Daleks or is this before you know it right, doesn't yeah. because at the end of this story not to give it away Davros seemingly dies well, he's destroyed isn't he on the, yeah. the crucible thing but we see Davros again and I don't know whether this is mentioned so I'm guessing maybe this is Davros's last appearance really and everything else comes before yeah i don't know it's it's a bit higgledy piggledy i I think it's unwise to follow a doctor just because he's regenerated like oh that must be the most recent in the timeline that must be the most recent thing yeah it's yeah it's a bit it's timey-wimey stuff don't say that so with the character doctor who (laughs) (laughs) 
dr.who. So he's not really involved in this. And I thought that's very similar. No, he is involved, but the plan is yeah. concocted without the intention of the Doctor being involved. And yeah. I thought that was quite similar to uh, Revelation of the Daleks. He, well, Ooh, he appears... I disagree, but... Like, Davros knows he's coming because it's all, like, planned and stuff, but it, it, they don't use the Doctor to fo- like against hi- himself to forward this, this plan. Well, we'll get to Revelation, but for the most part, for this story, the Doctor is just along for the ride, isn't he? He stumbles upon this thing happening. Yeah, all until, like, the end where, like... Yeah. There needs to be two of them. Of course. Of course it does. So, let's... Well, let's pick it up. Let's talk about Davros, then. Can we talk about Davros? What do you think? The first thing we see of him is his little metal fingers, isn't it? Tapping. It's a little shitty glove. Well, is it is that the first thing we see of him, or is it the silhouette we see first? The silhouette, yeah, down the, you know, he's coming. Yeah, because he? he's all the way down that bottom of that corridor, isn't yeah. he? For no reason, all the Daleks shouting down the co- Davros. Hey, da- Davros. Psst. Hey, I'm down here. All the way down here. Davros. So he's coming down now. He's here. He hears them. <laughs> What do you want? <laughs> um, yeah. So his performance, I think I'll start off with. It, Julian Bleach. Julian Bleach. My my impressions of this Davros, it feels like it's not the Davros I think he should be. He should be the one who's wise, in control of everything, and is maniacal. And almost insane, but so controlled at the same time. Yeah, um, it's different. This is Julian Bleach's. I need to say this is Julian's first attempt, as if I know him. This is Mister Bleach, his <laughs> first attempt at playing Davros, mm. and I think he does an excellent job for sure. Yeah, he's really, really good. Yeah, and as a kid, Davros scared the shit out of me. Yeah, and because uh, I remember, I'd seen all of the old stories by this point. Well, before New Who came back. And I remember seeing that Davros was going to be coming back. Mm. And I was shitting myself because I thought, I, I don't think I'll be able to watch this. He looks this. great, doesn't he? It's a great mask. The uh, design is great. He doesn't so much look like a shriveled up prune anymore. It's more of like an actual like decayed skin. Yeah, yeah. It works really well. Yeah. Especially when um, he opens up his chest. Yeah. It's lovely. It's, um, no, yeah, it's great, you know. I don't think he's the best Davros. Well, well, he isn't the best Davros, but he's not far off. No. Um, I uh, thought that the actor who played him must have been, you know, getting on a bit. Yeah. He's really well point, at capturing this decrepit old creature. Yeah. He's, but he's, he was um, only in his, like, 30s, wasn't he, when he played it? Something like that. I don't think he's that old now, is he? Like, 50s, maybe? So when was this? This is nearly this is nearly like twenty years ago now. Hmm. I, well, no, it isn't. No, is it? It it's fifteen years ago. Yeah, something like that. Ten, fifteen years ago. So, yeah, I would have thought he'd probably be mid thirties, something yeah. like that. Brilliant though. I really he, believe great. his character. Yeah. But again, I thought the character was let down by the story. Yeah, I I don't think this is Davros. This is. 
I don't think this is Julian Bleach's best Avra story. Mm. I think that's uh, uh, The Witch is Familiar and the Dugga da Dugga da That one. Yeah. Um, I think that's I think he's excellent in that. Hmm. Really, really good. Um but yeah, th- this story's got so many bits that I think are missed a trick. Um this da- this reveal is good. Hmm. I think the reveal of Davros is good because Yeah, it works really well. Yeah. But I will say in Journey's End there's like there's a second reveal, isn't there? Really, so the Doctor seeing Davros for the first time since, well, since Remembrance of the Daleks, mm. and I think that reveal isn't played as well. But we'll get to that when we get to it. Um, so you got this Dalek Khan. Where yeah. does he come from? Uh, so Dalek Khan is one of the cult of Scarrow Daleks, isn't it? Yeah. So that's a completely new Who thing where the Daleks have got... There's segments of Daleks, isn't there, that have yeah. got names and and jobs to do. Um, yeah, so he's... Is it from the Time War, supposedly, and he saves Davros or something? So he's not from an older episode, and he's not from an early episode of the new ones. He's. I think he is. He's from. A, he's definitely from an earlier episode in New Who. Right. So um, is he the Dalek that went in the Manhattan? Man, he, the, uh, he's the in that and... because that Daleks in Manhattan. That is the cult of Scarrow, isn't it? I think. Yeah. So is it the one who escapes? And this is where it, he ended up. It must be. Right. Must be. I don't know the story well enough to say for definite. But no, I don't if, either. There's a, if there's a Dalek that escapes, it must be him. It was such a bad episode. I can't remember. It yeah, was awful. I, I don't remember a lot of it really. So Dalek Khan, um, I thought it, it was entertaining. I mean, we heard the Dalek laugh; that was cool. He was completely mad, and his goal eventually was what he thought that Dalek shouldn't exist anymore. I uh, yeah, I really liked that. I, I did, liked yeah. the twist of sort of we think that he's helping Davros by saying, yeah. you know, the Doctor's coming, one of them's going to die, da 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 da, but it turns out. It's completely the opposite, and yeah. he's leading Davros into the trap, sort of. Well, I suppose in that way, then, Dalek Khan knows that the Doctor's coming, so they do know he's coming. Right, yeah, and did he use him in the plan? So, he yeah, he must him. have, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, must have. So, yeah, I didn't think of that, actually, until now. So they, they do know that the Doctor yeah. will come, because Carl, uh, Dalek Khan would have said. And... He's coming. <laughs> well, that's a good impression. Oh, it's terrible, wasn't it? One thing I will say, can I just whilst we're talking about the Daleks? Yeah. Um I'm not a big fan of Nicholas Briggs doing the Dalek voices. Yeah. Um only because well, let me let me start that by saying I think he does a good job in this episode of the different Dalek voices. Because there's a few Daleks that he needs to play, isn't there? He does Dalek mm. Khan, he does the uh, Supreme Dalek or the Emperor Dalek, whichever, whatever it's called this time. And the normal Grunt Daleks. You know, he's got a few different roles that he needs to do. And he does it well. But I just think... 
it's a bit samey all the time, just because yeah. it's him that does the voice. And I suppose it's a continuity, and it's nice that they sound the same. Whereas, like, Old Who, nearly every episode, they sound different mm. because it's some it's but mostly surely different it people doing it. Around. Because now in New Who they have names and they're in a cult and things like that. Like they yeah. should have some personality given to them that you'd be able to differentiate between like what voices are blocked and yeah. which Dalek. And I, I just don't like understand why they just keep using Nicholas Briggs. I know. I are they still I, using him to this day? Yeah, he's still right. he's still the voices of the Cybermen as well. I think, isn't he? Wow. Okay. He does the Cybermen and the Daleks. Yeah. So, but Nicholas Briggs also, I don't know if you know, is Big Finish. Uh, audiobooks. Yeah, so that's his his baby. Oh right, okay. And he does. He also does the Myth Makers documentaries as well. Right. He's a big, you know, he's big in the Who world. He's yeah. got a podcast as well, you know. Has he? He's ripped off battles in Technoyant. <laughs> um, <laughs> imagine. Oh, oh my, my god. god. Um. So yeah. Yeah, but that yeah. That being said, about the Daleks. I just wish there was a bit more differentiation in the voices. Just mm. get somebody else to do it as well. We yeah, haven't but, got know, time. There's got to be there's somebody on that set, isn't there? It's got to be somebody. Even Julian Bleach. He's got the ring modulator on his voice anyway. <laughs> you know, so he could sound... He could, I'm sure he could give it a go. Oh, Davros. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just get him to do it as you know. He could do it while he's sitting in, in the chair, couldn't he? Yeah, Someone just give him in... another mic. Yeah. Interestingly, can I grab? Can I grab a a, pro- a prop? Go for it. I'm sure everyone would love to see it. Look at look, everyone. <laughs> can you all Put see it? Put that down. Can you see it? Yeah, I can see it. Put that down. You're gonna hurt yourself. I'm gonna hurt myself. Do you know what it is? No. Do Do you know what it is at home? Do you know what it is at home? <laughs> Nothing. It's a ring mod. Right. Uh, so this is the thing that makes the sound of the Daleks. No way. Yeah. There it is. Nice weighty box. There it is. Put your lunchbox down. <laughs> so. Um, That's really cool. Have you ever tried experimenting with it? Uh, I have at one point, yeah. Wow. And it's weird because a lot of it... If you just put a ring mod on your voice, it doesn't make you sound like a Dalek. So a ring mod, all a ring mod does is it shuts off... I'm just waving my hands around. It shuts off your voice and opens it up really quickly. So it cuts off the signal. Yeah, and you can choose if you want it like a sine wave oscillation, so it goes up and down sort of smoothly, or cuts off like a square on and off really quick. Um, And that's all it is, speed and how deep... You know, speed and depth of that. Yeah. And a lot of the Dalek voice is in what you're doing with it. So it is a performance. I'm not going to do it. There's no way for me to explain this without uh, saying the sentence, is there? Turn it on. Well, no, because it's, uh, it's not wired in, right. unfortunately. So um, maybe in a future Dalek episode, I'll make sure it's wired through. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Carrying on, then. Anyway, moving on. So... Donna. uh, We haven't talked about Donna. Super Donna. Donna. Not Super Donna yet. Donna, Donna, Donna. Oh, Donna. 
Now I well, like. There's a song there, isn't there? Pardon? There's a song there. All right. Then. Anyway, so yeah, Donna. What do you think of Donna? I like Donna. Donna. I do like Donna. I think she's my favourite companion so far. Are you being serious? I don't know. Genuinely, don't know. She is fun to watch, and I feel like I can relate to her more than Rose and Martha. I'd agree. Oh, she is. A, she's a relative. She's annoying as hell she can be yeah she has her moments and she does act it in a way it's like one of her characters yeah but she she isn't as bad i remember when it was announced that she was going to be the companion Hmm. i thought oh dear what are we getting ourselves into here um (laughs) (laughs) how old were you uh, oh, well, I was talking like that at that point, sort of like a Mick Jagger sort of thing. So it was probably about uh, eight or nine. Something <laughs> like that. <laughs> Mother, could you just make me another cup of tea? Oh, God. Doctor Who's on. Could you just leave the room, please? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, I remember thinking, oh, God, it's that woman that does that program and she plays that man that's really not funny. <laughs> oh. Oh dear. She doesn't play the Nan, does she? Well, she plays Nan in. Is that her name of that character? That yeah. She does? Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think she does a good job. It's all right. Mm. When she. Uh, as as Donna now. Uh, it's it's good. I'd, it's, it's one of the better characters, I'd say. I'd agree. And I yeah. think she's the only, one of the only characters who really shine in this episode. And I'm shocked Quite literally. that I'm saying that. Oh. So to get to Super Donna, we need to go to the next episode. Journey's End. So yeah, so Journey's End that, I need to do synopsis. Journey's End. All hell has broken loose. Humanity is threatened with global annihilation as Davros and the new Dalek Empire prepare to detonate a bomb. That will wipe out all of existence. The Tenth Doctor is helpless, and the TARDIS faces destruction. The only hope lies with the Doctor's companions, the Children of Time, but Dalek Khan predicts that the bomb will die. Correct. I read it like they wrote the script. I just <laughs> gave up in the end. Let's <laughs> oh, just. Get, it done. <laughs> Get that uh, monkey out. Get that monkey. <laughs> Catch him. So, uh, this, so, in this episode, everybody gets transported to the Crucible. So this is where the bulk of the story really happens, isn't it? Any thoughts? <laughs> I hate when you say that. I need a springboard for this. I know really. you do, but I need a springboard as well. So all the characters, well, we say all the characters. We've got Luke and K9 who are left behind, just yep. twiddling their thumbs, literally not doing anything. We've got Torchwood. The rest of Torchwood left behind. Well, they couldn't get all the actors for Torchwood, could they? So you've only got two. Gwyneth and the other guy. Yeah. Or Yanto. are they in the first? Yeah, Yanto. 
Is the other two in there, the first episode? No, they're there's not, are those, they? No. Three. But aren't they dead? Are they dead by this point? Who dies? I don't know who dies in Torchwood. Well, I'm re-watching Torchwood and I can't remember much of it, so thank you for that. <laughs> oh, that's all right. Yeah, they all die. Everybody's dead. I think it's something to do with that glove that brings people back to life. I'm not too sure. There's a big story arc there. Um, well, maybe you could let us know. Send in your feedback. <laughs> or send in my own feedback. So everyone's left behind. These, uh, you got Captain Jack, Rose is there. Yeah, Rose is there. So Captain Jack, Rose, Donna, Tenth Donna's Doctor. in the, so, uh, yeah. She's there, but not but, for long. Well, she's in the TARDIS, isn't she, that the Daleks have sent yeah. to the core of the planet to be burned. Yeah. Um, burned. Burned. And she's shit in it, and so is the Tenth Doctor. Then Davros like, right, well, no, it's not Davros, it's just a Dalek, isn't it? Right, well, the TARDIS is going to get destroyed now. Yeah, right. so, the, yeah, the TARDIS gets dropped into the thing, and then the Supreme Dalek, or whatever it's called in this episode, says, take them to Davros, he can be the uh, playthings. Because that's how the Daleks talk, you know. Hmm. Uh, and then they take them over to Davros. And here, at that point, is one of my main gripes with this story. Okay, seatbelts on, everyone. Jump on the magic school bus. So, a, a missed opportunity here. This is the first point that the Doctor is meeting Davros for a while, and this is the first point that a new Who audience is introduced to the Doctor and Davros's relationship. And it's made a big deal of in the uh, next time thing, for what comes before the stolen earth turn, turn left. left where is that where they hear davros on the computer screen thing in, oh, the, I, in the tardis I, I don't know so well, know they, they see the that, signal coming through oh no actually it's in uh stolen earth isn't it yeah when it comes on the terminal and the when TARDIS. Comes, yeah 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 so we, um, when he comes onto there yeah and that's played really well that everybody is like oh no yeah, sarah jane's until- crying the doctor says, I've got one thing to say to you. Yeah. Until- bye bye. Bye. Yeah, that bit's played terribly. But, you know, Sarah Jane's reaction, you've got her crying and she knows what's. Oh, happening. yeah. Isn't it horrible? And she's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, we forgot to mention uh, Harriet Jones as well. So, Oh, Christ, I've- yeah. I love so Harriet mentioned- Jones. Well, I've um, mentioned Former her PM. Oh, God. I love her. She's so Can't shit, but her. I love her. I think she's great. Anyway, so that that reveal of Davros at the beginning is fantastic because there's obviously this fear there. The Doctor mm. thinks, shit, it's Davros, you know, and a huge Dalek empire that's been established and is there. You know, it's not as mm. if there's just a few Daleks that have appeared. It's like what, hap- what should have happened in Moonbase where the Dalek's like, should we just do it? <laughs> yeah. If we're going to attack, do it properly. Come on. So... And then we get to the second episode, Journey's End, where the Doctor and Davros meet face-to-face for the first time in a while. Mm. And it is not 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 played well, but it, I think they could have really done something different rather than just having them already in the same room. Mm. Yeah, I think it would have been nice to have that direct confrontation one-on-one 
instead yeah, of yeah. this whole I'd cast. Loved... That can't, they can't just stand there and wait for the Doctor to have his fill of like Davros time. Yeah, because it, it's just the Doctor and Rose, isn't it, that could take him yeah. to Davros's lair. And then Sarah, Mickey and uh, Jackie, they're taken off for the reality bomb to be tested, aren't they? Yeah. Captain Jack has been exterminated, so we got rid of him. <laughs> you know, you know, we got he he hasn't got to go to to go to Davros's lair. No. So we just got the Doctor and Rose, and then they're put into those invisible stay here Smarties tubes. Yeah. So, but yeah, I just think they missed a point there, really, of giving us a a good bit of a good bit of talky time. Mm. You know, again, it's fan service, but not done right. And I will say, I often complain about New Who does this sort of stop-start thing where you get a bit of action and then they talk about yeah. their feelings for a while. But like, this is an opportunity where you could do it, and yeah. it's warranted because it's Absolutely, an established yeah. classic character that needs to be explained. Well, not needs to be explained to a new audience, but it wouldn't hurt for it to be explained. Mm. Because it sort of comes across that the Doctor fears Davros, but doesn't take him too seriously. No. I'd say. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe you agree. Maybe you disagree. No, I agree. And I think he reacts the same in Revelation of the Daleks as well. Yeah, yeah. He really doesn't take him too seriously. He's not no. really phased by like, much by him. Nor is Davros to the Doctor. No, that is true. But I I do have a reason for that, and it's a very interesting episode, and we'll get onto that. Um, okay. So, skip right on ahead because I don't think there's too much in this episode to talk about. Yeah, because not a huge amount happens. So they test the reality bomb. Yeah. On all of those people, and Jackie just runs away with <laughs> everybody else. Yeah. Um, using that, uh, yellow. Little plastic. Which they shouldn't be using because the, it'll create, you know. Holes in the rift. Exactly. It's going to rip her rift right Which up. isn't a problem anymore. No, I don't know. I don't know what's what the story is with this. Um, So they've escaped and then they rig up Sarah Jane's necklace, which is a, what is it, a dwarf star or something? In her necklace? Yeah. Um. Yeah, it it's is, something it? like that, isn't yeah. it? It's some sort of a a thing. It's explosion in a diamond. Yeah. That they could use to stop everything. And that's the main or the first threat, isn't it, to sort of stop Davros's plan mm. of this reality bomb. Um That's fine, and I'm glad it was sort of got rid of. Because I think that's a bit of a cop out that oh hang on, Sarah Jane's got a necklace that's a bomb. Did you know that? Was that... Did she always have this? No. Just in this episode? <laughs> Just in this episode, yeah, right, I think. Okay. I could be wrong, but I think... No, I think so, yeah. Well, she didn't Just have it this. when, you know, the school reunion thing, or if it was. Maybe. Did you notice her running around with a hand on it just in case it smacks against the door and just oh, wipes God. out civilization? <sighs> Sarah Jane, take my hand! <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> <laughs> K9 is not used to like destroy any Daleks, which was sad. Hmm. 
but yeah, that's not. I'm glad they didn't use it. I suppose. So the Donna is in the TARDIS, isn't she? That is being taken to the core of the planet, or core of the Crucible. And the only way that she gets out of that is by slightly regenerating using the energy of the Doctor's hand. <laughs> so this hand... I know you've got a big problem with this hand, haven't you, really? Yeah. So this and hand I'm with you. is... It's a, it's a crutch. It's a definite crutch that it's been used for the last two seasons yeah. since um, it came about in... That is the Christmas Invasion, isn't it? Not the Runaway, runaway Bride. Uh, the Christmas Invasion is where his hand gets chopped off. Yeah. So they've been using it since then. It's cropped up now and again. Captain Jack had it. Then in the Utopia, cropped up some more. Oh, yeah, and it was in the last episode, which yeah. is one as well. And it's here. Yeah. And it's, I can see it's almost like a MacBook MacGuffin, an object that... It's not, though, really, is it? It generally is a crutch. It's just a crutch. That's all it is. It's just generally a writer's a crutch. crutch. It's a get-out-of-jail card, isn't it, really? Yeah. And I, I do feel like this new series, uh, with these dire consequences and these climaxes at the end of each season, write themselves in corners constantly. And yeah. to write themselves out of it, it just always feels cheap. Always. Because they create it on the spot, this idea that, oh, yeah, the the hand can do this. We did mention it. If you look back, we, we didn't. It's it's just cheap. And it's a yeah. strange thing because that hand has been there for like two seasons now. So why does it feel cheap? And I think it is like it's not expressed along the way like what is exactly this hand is. It's, yeah, it's not a foreshadowing at all. It's just a hand in a jar that has magic and is a cop-out for any dire situation you can think of. <laughs> including but not limited to regenerating the doctor without changing his appearance and giving uh, Donna the doctor's mind yeah and that is another bit of the story isn't it really so the doctor uh, Donna gets part of the doctor's mind I think she plays it brilliantly yeah I will say, though, it's quite embarrassing to think that she's playing a perfect impression of David Tennant. Because that is, for me, how he plays it. Very yeah. overplayed. It is, it is his mind. And yeah. if you notice that she's carry, she carries on, she's, you can understand why she's like that. She's over the moon with this knowledge. She's so excited to have all this intelligence that she's just rambling and rambling all these these things and Tennant acts like that all the time but Donna stops yeah. when shit hits the fan she knows when to you know, stop and Tennant does to be fair I, I just do like I, it's a shame that Donna had to go so quickly after this yeah I don't see how it could have carried on but it's more like it's interesting that the one of the dumbest companions suddenly gets all this intelligence <laughs> it's it's and it's a, it's a it's a touching scene when the doctor has to tell her, oh uh, yeah, that yeah, that the end of this story is lovely. I really, yeah. really enjoy the end of this. Um, but yeah, so I think that's pretty much it, isn't it, for the main bit of the plot. So the end of the plot mean is that somehow, even though the Daleks don't trust Davros enough, 
they still give him all of the controls to control all of the Daleks down under there hmm. in his lair. Yeah. Or they wire it in a certain way that Davros would have done. It's not he's not thick. You know, Davros is played as one of these the greatest minds in the universe sort of thing. Hmm. So that doesn't entirely work. But so Donna make disables all of the Daleks' weapons and makes them spin round. <laughs> Meanwhile, as they're doing all of this, Davros is just sat there. Mm. Isn't doing anything. There's not much he can do, really. Yeah, but you know, well, they've shot him at that point, haven't they? Yeah. Or shot his hand, rather. What, what, have, they, what have they done? Immobilized have they done anything him? to him? I'm not too sure. I know he gets his hand shot off and. Oh, they, they sort of electrocute him, don't they? Yeah. They shock him. Yeah. So perhaps he's a bit stunned. Perhaps that's what they're sort of they're playing there, that, you know, he's stunned by it. And then they destroy all of the Daleks. Uh, the Crucible starts to explode. It's a push of, bu- of a button, really, isn't it? Yeah. And problem solved, that's it. Yeah. But then I do like that the Doctor offers to save Davros. He always does, doesn't he? Yeah. Offers to save his worst enemies. Uh, I will say as well, if anybody... Uh, I've, I know I've mentioned Big Finish as well. There is a Big Finish story. I have written it down somewhere. Oh, yeah. Uh, a Big Finish story called Davros. And it's got Colin Baker and Davros. Uh, Terry Malloy playing Davros. That is a great story if you ever want a bit of backstory about Davros. I would, after these two episodes. I highly recommend it. I know there's another one I think is called I, Davros. That's awful. That's an awful name. Mm. I can't remember if I've listened to it. I might have done, but I think that is a sort of a Davros memoir. 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 (laughs) Um, Yeah, so that's the basic end of the plot, and then we get the ending, so they're all in the TARDIS. I love that bit. (laughs) <laughs> I really, really enjoy where they're all together in the TARDIS. I find myself sort of welling up slightly at that no. point. Yeah, I don't know what it is, because I hate 90% of the people out yeah. there. Yeah, it is lovely, um, and I think it, it touches on the, on the fact that the Doctor has a family now. Yeah, a maybe that's TARDIS what it is. Team. It's lovely. And I, and I really I love the sort of pilot in the Earth back to where it should be. Mm. Um, And then we get Bernard Cribbins. Oh, isn't he lovely? Isn't he just great? What, what a fantastic actor. Mm. He plays it so well. He's so good. He's fantastic. And at the end, you know, where the, so the Doctor goes to Donna's house and it's sort of, it's the bit where he's explaining to her. So Bernard Cribbins is her granddad, isn't he? A grandpappy, yeah. Yeah. Um... Where he's explaining, you can't tell him, uh, tell her anything, and they say, no, 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 we won't, we won't, we won't. And then there's the scene at the end with uh, Cribbins by the door and Tennant outside. Mm. Fabulous, mm. fabulous. Bernard Cribbins is, you know, is a that is a masterclass in tasteful acting. Yeah, maybe except for the salute, that's a little bit tacky, but you know, he's an for old the man. most part, well, yeah, you know, that's part of his character, isn't it? Yeah. But he plays it so well. And he's great at those sort of tearful scenes. He's really, yeah. really good. Um, yeah, and that's 
pretty much it, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, we skipped through it a bit, but that is pretty much the premise of the story. Yeah, that's pretty much the involvement of the characters as well. Yeah, I'm sure we've missed some bits out, but, you know... I'm sure we have, because it's not like, you know, there is another bit with Rose on the beach. Oh, yeah, sorry, yeah. And to two doctors, though, we have what we haven't mentioned yet. Yeah, we've missed that whole <laughs> chunk forgettable, out. man. Oh. Uh, well, I, th- I think this goes back to what I said earlier on about sort of diminishing Rose's original departure. Yeah. Sort of, well, we've seen it once. And I suppose it's it's different, isn't it? Because she gets to stay sort of with the Doctor. She gets to stay with him. But I don't care. She must be a bit pissed <laughs> off that, you know, they ended up on that beach again. Like, my house is like two hours away. <laughs> miles and miles away. And we haven't got that Jeep. That is actually a Land Rover. They say it's a Jeep. I know they do. <laughs> it's a Discovery. No, it's not. It's a Defender. It's a Land Rover Defender. Come on. The Doctor's half human. <laughs> and half Well, that one is. You know. Yeah. And he's like, look, Rose, I love you. I want to stay here and grow old. You've got to you. shake through your teeth. And Rose is like, all right, yeah. She doesn't really seem that fast. And then... He whispers in his ear like what he was going to say when she got sucked off of the void. And Christ! Then, <laughs> uh, he just, he, what does he say? It's I love you, isn't it? It's got to be something stupid. So the other doctor pisses off. Bye-bye. Hopefully that's the end of her. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Got and, then now. The, and then off. it's the... Then it's the Donna scene, isn't it? Yeah. After that, yeah. So, Yeah. Lovely. And what a, a lovely end to Donna's story. Lovely yeah, the, in a horrible yeah, she's way. Got, she has got a really nice little arc yeah. to her sort of season that she's there, or two seasons, however long she's there. Um, Yeah, it'd be nice to do another story with Donna in. But not next week. You can leave it. But um, yeah, so that's it. But yeah, going back to what I said at the beginning, my brain tells me it's crap, but I do enjoy it. Yeah. I do enjoy the story. So... Is it time for us to put a number on this one? Two. Fuck. It's four. It's below a average. Four. Yeah. Four out of ten. Yeah. Wow. Well, suppose you know it sounds like a low score, that doesn't it? I suppose it's just below but, average. Yeah. It's not a great couple of episodes. I'm gonna see. I've got a problem now that I've sort of. I think I've rated everything too highly from New Who. Hmm. So. Ignore everything I've said before, everybody. I'm going to give this one a six. Okay. Maybe Just a seven. I can, I, it's a six or a seven. I really can't make my mind up. There's a lot wrong with it, but I do yeah. enjoy the story. And I would rewatch it. But, yeah, my, there's just... Like, whole thoughts on it is that the story usually should be held up by the pillars of characters. Mm. And in this story it's seemingly the other way around and it's just it just doesn't work they don't handle the characters well so much so that they just ditch them off and forget about them yeah and not many have their moment you know to shine in the episode like rose she's just there yeah um everything seems like an excuse just to put these characters in there and i think it's it's extremely detrimental to everything these two episodes stand for, and I don't think it's a very good end to 
ten yeah, at all. Yeah, the end oh. is a bit of a cop out. But having said that, I'd like to just turn your attention to the Mighty Two Hundred. So, the Mighty Two Hundred was a poll done by Doctor Who magazine in two thousand and nine, where it ranked um, the two hundred stories that had been broadcast of Doctor Who. Yeah. So one being best, two hundred being shite. Where do you think the Stolen Earth and Journey's End came in that rank of two hundred? Between thirty and forty, I reckon. Between thirty and forty, it actually came thirteenth. Wow. Yeah, that is quite high. Is this all you know, like oh, this is old and new, isn't it? Yeah, all bunched together. Wow. So that is. That's extremely high. It is high. It's higher, a lot higher than what I thought it would be. I personally, I thought it was going to be about 50. What's the number 14? Why have you done that now? Because you know I haven't got it open now. Oh, I thought you did. Sorry. I'll put that out right out. All right. <laughs> so, yeah. So, there we go. So, it's 14th. That one came. 13th. What the hell did it come? 13th. 13th. It did come 13th. So... That's the end of Journey's End, Stolen Earth. So it's time to move on to Revelation of the Daleks. This is yours. This is your baby. I don't. Well, it's not, is it? But um, I picked it. So this is your story. This is my story. Um, so Revelation of the Daleks, Season 2, Serial Number 6. Uh, the Doctor and Perry arrive on the planet Necros, where, in a facility called Tranquil Repose, presided over by Mr. Joe Bell and his assistant, Tazambika, the wealthy can have their newly deceased bodies cryogenically frozen till such time as medical science can cure whatever killed them. The Doctor wishes to pay his last respects to his friend, Professor... Professor? Professor... <laughs> <laughs> Professor Arthur Stengos, also some nagging suspicions about the man's death. His suspicions prove justified as it turns out that this is just a ruse to lure him into a trap. The great healer masterminding Tranquil Repose is Davros, who is using the organic material from the cryogenic storage units both as raw material for synthetic food that is Necros's biggest export and also to create a whole new army of Daleks with which to take control of the universe I'm not done yet Davros's plans are foiled when the Daleks loyal to the Dalek Supreme arrive on Necros and take him prisoner the Doctor suggests the planet's inhabitants a new basis for their economy Got it. and now I'm done okay so there we go what would you rate this one at? I think right off the bat I'll say that I really, really fucking enjoyed this story. Really? Yeah. That is the complete opposite to what I thought you were going to say. It's up there with me, with the brain of Morbius. Really? Honestly. This is how you handle a massive cast of characters. Goodness gracious me. I Honestly, I, I, I really... They, they had an eye for detail throughout this whole story, and they really nailed down what they wanted the Doctor to be. At least the writer knew what he wanted the Doctor to be, and it sh- almost it, to me it shouted on screen. Who these characters are, what they're supposed to be, what they're doing, and what the story's about, and it worked. Wow. 
Thumbs up from me. Thumbs up from you. What do well, you think? Well, that's good. Uh, I really enjoy this story. Uh, it's not without its faults. And it's sort of... It's a double-edged sword, this one, I think, because I think 50% of people hate it and 50% of people like it but don't like to think they like it. Do you I know what I mean? Great. Sort of, Fuck all yeah. that people. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, let's go through the main idea of the plot, and then we'll talk about the characters. So, basically, Davros is sort of masterminding building a new race of Daleks and simultaneously trying to lure the Doctor into his lair by advertising that his friend is dead, which he is dead, to sort of get him to come there. Yeah. I think that's it, isn't it, really? Yeah. You know. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I'm sure the plot will thicken itself as we go. Um, Let's go through the cast. This is a cast of double acts. It is. Uh, um, and when we get to the end of this, I want to ask you why that decision was made. Okay, well, I'm sure I'll have to try and think of an answer. Um, the So let's go for the Doctor first. The Doctor and Perry, Perpagillian Brown. The Doctor, for me, ultimately, is the most flawed Doctor I've seen in Doctor Who. Okay. And I thought that was really interesting. He's not on his own interesting. He plays it quite like charming and quite cool. It's not the, the most sporadic Doctor we've seen or the most controlling or anything like that. But I do think he plays the Doctor quite tamely. Do you, do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. <laughs> it's He's got a style all of his own, I will say that. So this is the only story I've seen uh, with Colin Baker starring as the Doctor. Yeah. And for me, he played it well, and I think he was told how he should play it, and he played it correctly. Yeah. And uh, oh. do you want me to say why he's flawed? Um. Well, or should we get onto that? We'll we'll get onto that. Okay. So I will say that Colin had a plan for how his doctor was going to play out. Mm. So his first episode, he strangles Perry. Right. <laughs> so it's not off to a good start. No. Um, but his plan was to make him unlikable. I don't know whether it was his plan or more the sort of writer's plan that he was going to be unlikable and gradually you'd sort of come round to in you know, to liking the character. Weird but obviously choice. he was uh prematurely sacked. Right. So Why was that? Um it, uh, there was a multitude of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, we will go into that when okay. I've googled it to double check. Oh, right, okay. Um, but yeah, um, a degree for the most part. He's he, understated is not a word I'd use to you uh, describe Colin. No, I wouldn't either. Um, but this is his most understated performance, right? And I will say, I'll add, although for me he's not one of the best on-screen doctors. He is probably the best audio drama doctor. Right. He's brilliant. 
in the, in the audio stories. Isn't he in the Davros? Story? Yeah, yeah, he's in, yeah, he's in that um, Davros, the big Finnish Davros story. And he's really good. <laughs> Perry. Uh, Perry, Perpigillian Brown, as played by Nicola Bryant. Thoughts? Oh, am I going? Yeah. Now, I... I quite like Perry. I've never seen like an American actor play Companion before. I thought she played it well. What I did very much like about Perry, and I could really relate with this, she kept harping on about, shouldn't we go back to the TARDIS? Can we bring the TARDIS here? You know, is there any way we can use the TARDIS to our advantage? I thought it was fucking brilliant. Because it's exactly what I always ask. She's aware of the danger, isn't she? I think. Yeah, That's she's fully aware that I don't know if this is a good idea that we're straying so far away from the TARDIS not knowing what we're going into. Yeah. And, and you doctor, do know she's not American, don't you? I gathered that, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She, yeah. So Nicola Bryant is uh, is English. Yeah. Uh, playing American. Because they did want an American actor and she went for the role, supposedly... I find this quite hard to believe. Like she went for the role as an American and right. fooled everybody. Um, she, I mean, as a kid, I didn't know she wasn't American. But <laughs> I don't know what that says about my childhood. But you just didn't know many Americans. Probably that's what it, I still don't. No. Um. Yeah. What else do you think of Perry? What do I think of Perry? Yeah. Uh, well, I'll start by saying I think Perry is pretty much universally hated as a character. What a shame. Uh, because she's quite whiny and always complains, Oh, doctor! Oh, doctor! And she's just insulted and she's used in a horrible way. We'll get to that because it's done again in this story. I'm going to stand for my rights here and I'm going to come to the front and I'm going to say I fucking love Perry. Wow. I really, really like Perry. I said that in a slightly creepy way, didn't I? (laughs) I really like Perry. Why? I don't know. Fuck off with that. You always do that. I love it. It's brilliant. It's the best thing I've ever seen. Why? Don't know. I I I think it's it's something with the character. It's not that she's rather attractive. Oh, There's something um, pretty, very pretty. Um, there's something about the character that I just really like. Which is, I don't know. Is it uh, from what I said? Like she is quite relatable. Like I think, yeah, I think it's because she's she's really human. Mm. Although, and it, but it's not quite believable that in most of her stories, she just doesn't want to be there. So why would you stay? Yeah, and this one included, like, can we just go? Yeah, so it's, yeah, it, it's two-sided, but I, I just, I really like Perry. I like her character, and I like the way she's played. Mm. Um, So I don't mind standing up and saying that. That's I with, yeah. love Perry. Oh, yeah, yeah. I I like Perry. So, moving on. Davros. Terence Melloy. 
brilliant. Yeah, Terry Malloy, great. Strong performance, played really well. Not too over the top. No. Um, now, in this story, I found that Davros has this agenda, this hidden agenda that no one else knows. And he, mm-hmm. I thought he played it to a T. Like, I want money! That scene. I need money. Like, it, it crops up sometimes, this inner rage. It's lovely. Yeah, it's really well played. And Terry Malloy does a great job, and I think this is Terry Malloy's best performance as Davros. Right. So he's in Resurrection, Remembrance, and this. Um, and this is probably his best performance as Davros. Right. I still, he's not the best Davros for me. Um, but this is really, really strong. Very good. Um, moving on. Kara and Vogel. What is Kara's role exactly? Uh, she's the boss of the company, isn't she? I think. Yeah, like so. Davros is like CEO, and she's yes. like the runner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's the boss of the food making company. Yeah. thing. Um, and then Vogel is her secretary. Yeah, I quite She's like Vogel. secretary as well. Yeah. Vogel's great. Isn't Hugh he? Walters. Um, he plays it really well. He's yeah. got some great lines. The past master of a double entry. <laughs> um, and Eleanor Bron as Kara, she plays that really well as well. Yeah, she does. Um, there's only one moment where she goes over the top with uh, I know the exactly line. what you mean. Yeah, it's yeah. when uh, the, the bomb's revealed. Mm. And she asked, uh, who was that? You got the, um, Sir, Sir, I always forget how to say his name. Orsini. Orsini, yeah. So you got Orsini on the floor. And Davros isn't there. Who's there? The Dalek. I don't know. I can't Are remember. Are we the... thinking of the same bit? Yeah, when. Because she has to play it down like she doesn't know what the bomb is. And then, okay, it's the bomb. And then she gets really mad at Orsini. Oh, the, the bomb. It's a great big bomb. Yeah. Yeah, well, the bit I think she overplays is where she says um, she can control the food for the entire universe. I don't remember that bit. Oh, yeah, that's that's a bit overplayed. I think it's safe to say two, then, bits. Yeah. All right. I'll go with you on that. It's a bomb. It's a great big bomb. <laughs> yeah. That it's not that bit. It's it's. She says something else, but it doesn't matter. Oh, well. Um, so they're good. The two strong characters. Mm. They have uh, two big scenes, really, don't they? Those two characters. Yeah, yeah. One to you introduce know, they... them, and then the other one. There are three, then. One to introduce them, one to set up the premise of the bomb and uh, hiring the hitman, and then the other one to, like, the reveal of their plans. Yeah. Next double act. Joe Bell and Tazam Beaker. I love Joe Bell. Clive Swift. Isn't he great? He's fantastic. I just keep waiting for him to say, Hyacinth! From Keeping Up Appearances. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Glad we're on the same page there. He's got. He's fantastic. He plays it so well. He does. He's got some great lines. He just um, comes in with the scissors in the air yeah, the whole yeah, time. It's brilliant. He's great. What's my favourite line? I've written it down somewhere. Oh, yeah. She's already started to froth. 
Ah. Thank goodness the casket is lead-lined. Already started to froth. Hello, pretty. Oh, see, he yeah, this... fantastic. This is one of my only problems. Well, it's not necessarily a problem with a story, but it, it adds up to being a problem when you know about Perry in the past. Right. That she is used effectively as just a sex object all the time in I, all I, of the stories in the this main... story I'd, I think it's rather she's perceived by other characters to be the sex object but I think she really connected with the DJ and she was generally the, like a sensible person at the beginning saying we need to go back yeah. we don't know what's happening it's it's very uncomfortable the Joe Bell and Perry scenes yeah for sure in a good way they're played yeah. so well they're supposed to be uncomfortable yeah 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 because, you know, Joe Bell does, like, really reinstate the idea that he really, like, fancies to fuck off Perry. Little yeah. pity. I think that's the thing, isn't it? That he supposedly fancies everything. Yeah. You know, all of them, so... I'm guessing uh, the idea is that he's stuck in this, you know, operating all day, you know, inside. And the yeah. first chance he gets, you know, to snoop around and get some poo tank. Oh, does shit. Do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> One of the, the one of my favorite scenes with um, Joe Bell is what earlier on when all his crew is lined up and he's discussing about uh, what they're gonna do with the president's wife, mm. and uh, <laughs> he turns around and see this guy, he sees this guy picking his nose. He just stops. Are you picking your nose? I thought it was so funny. <laughs> it's because it's it, 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 you know it because it hi- that highlighted the info dump for me and made it memorable. Yeah. It's great writing. It's really good. Should we move on to um, well, a great performance? His, his, Sorry, go It's a double act with Joe Ball. So yeah, we'll, the... well, that's what I'm going to say is that um, we'll move on now from a, a fantastic performance to a fantastically shit performance of uh, Tazam Beaker. Yeah. Now, I've heard about her. I knew she, mm. you know... Her performance is shit. It is dire. I'm going to defend her. I'd like to see a try. Now, you know what I said about how all these characters are carefully you know, scripted and constructed and they all have a purpose in the story, unlike, mm. you know, Journey's End. Um, Taz and Beaker is supposed to be this pawn... That is easily manipulated, quite unintelligent, and can't control her emotions. And Davros plays off this. And I think Taz and Beaker plays it, like where she is, you know, she's a bit slow. Yeah. But, and I feel like she's never really encountered proper emotions like this. And she's never been tasked to do such a big job. She doesn't really know what to do with herself. And I really felt. In the scene where she does put the needle in Joe Bell's um, chest. I hate you! I know, I know how that can come across as just ridiculous. But I feel like she doesn't really mean it. And in her acting, she doesn't really mean it. Because she's only doing it because of what Davros told her to do. I thought she played it okay. And I felt for her. I suppose. I get what you mean. I refuse to think that this odd character 
was just a huge mistake where everything else in the story was carefully crafted. The sets, the shots, you know, the characters, the story. It's, well, it's this one thing that stands out, and I refuse to believe it was a mistake. Well, everybody has said um, that it was a mistake to cast her. So Eric Saywood said it was a mistake that we, the writer. we cast her. Yeah. Right. Well, um, you know when I said I refuse to think? Yeah. So I'm open to thinking it, but it'll be hard for me to believe. <laughs> okay. Um, and yeah, apparently uh, there were a lot more scenes where they're in, but the BBC told them, get rid, because it's dying. I'd agree with that, because I... We see her enough, I say, yeah. the way it is. She's bad, and she's great comedy value, because she's so terrible that it makes it funny that I think she's on screen. But I think if we saw any more of her than we already do, that would be the tipping point of, please, this is terrible. Why did I think the opposite, though? I thought this is an example of Davros's control over things. This is yeah. a blatant you know, result of his power. And he's doing this with all the characters and the Daleks. I suppose, yeah. I really responded to it, and I did feel sorry for her. Is it overacted? Of course it is. You know, she's the worst actor there. But I don't think it's bad. I, I, feel, I think it's bad. It depends it's, how you look at it. She's she's a terrible actress. But is she it does, really? But that, well, yeah, she's awful. Right. But I think it, so, it does sort of work... For the story, it does, doesn't it? Because you do need saying. somebody who's sort of what's the word uh, inadequate. Like, yeah, is that the word? You need somebody who's a bit. Just I don't know weak. how to say it without being insulting. She's yeah, you know, you know what I mean. Yeah, she's just easily manipulated. Yes, she's weak. She's inexperienced and weak. That's the word. And I just felt she, like her acting, she couldn't control the emotions of what the character would be feeling. Yeah. I, and I think it worked. If anyone's going to be a bad actor, I'm glad it was her. Because I think it just worked for me. And I did yeah. feel sorry for her. Well, let's talk about the um, the two torturers, Tarkus and Lilt. Yeah. Um... Lilt Colin Spall has been in Doctor Who before. He was in uh, Rise of the Cybermen. Right, yeah. He's, uh, what's the bloke's name? John Lumick's sort of assistant-y kind of guy. He's right. the Michael Caine-y kind of, I yeah. do apologise, sir. My earpiece must have fallen out. It looks nothing like him. Yeah, I had no idea it was him. Nothing like him. No idea. He seems quite tall in this episode as well. He do, yeah, and he seems like a little man yeah. in Rise of the Cybermen. It is weird. But um, I thought they were good, but I will say their scenes where uh, they're torturing uh, Natasha and Grigori are terrible and shouldn't be in Doctor Who. Not terrible as in their bad scenes. Mm. It oversteps the mark of what Doctor Who should be. Where they're threatening her with a knife to her throat. Scissors, um, isn't it? Is it? Is it scissors? I think it um, doesn't. Matter. I think at one point it's scissors, and then the next scene it's a, a flip knife thing. Yeah, I just it's it shouldn't be in there for me. Um, I didn't really get that to be honest. 
And the th- well, the thing is though, they've they've tortured they torture Natasha and Grigori, and then at the end, they're there, and the doctor's patting them on the head. It's like, well, yeah, you've tortured people, but it's okay. What you should do now is go and yeah. harvest this flower and make you'll that be good. That is strange, it. isn't it? So it's sort of like, well, you can torture people. That's fine. They were the weakest point, I think, in the story. Because uh, we didn't really see them much. And I thought there was a gaping chasm of where... I didn't pick up on when... What's the big guy's name? Uh, Tarkus. I didn't pick up on where Tarkus calls for other Daleks to come. Um, I, I can't remember when that happens. I can't remember, That's a pretty actually. big plot point. Oh, it's it's where... Isn't it where uh, they're told to um, warn the president's ship? Is it at that point? I don't know. He, he recalls that he did it. I just, I'm not too sure when. Or how. Exactly. Oh, well. Um, <laughs> let's but move the, on. Those, yeah, those two characters, I mean, I think they are pawns in this story, aren't they? I think everybody is to a point, aren't they? They're, sort of, they're played. Yeah, that's true. Um, well, didn't, what? They weren't bad. They weren't bad No, actors. they weren't bad. I'm still not too, too sure what to say with them because I feel even I feel more bad for the two unfortunate, ill-fated characters, Natasha and Grigori. So they are these two characters went in before the Doctor and Perry got there, and yeah. I thought it was a great circumstance of what could happen if, like, the decisions they made were wrong. Because they found she found her father in the glass Dalek sort of thing, yeah. And from then on, they are extremely ill-fated. They get you know captured, questioned, tortured, patted on the head. No, it's the other guy, <laughs> <laughs> and eventually exterminated. Yeah. And I feel like the doctor and you know his companion are in these situations, but you know happen to get out of it. And I think that's yeah. what happens. When they can't, and it's it's I've it's rare that you see that because by the end, a hell of a lot of characters die. Yeah, the body count is quite high. Yeah. I've written it down somewhere. It's not as high as um. So yeah, so according to believe it or not, according to deathcount.com. Wow. <laughs> the death count for this story is twenty two. Wow. Which isn't as bad as the last Dalek story, Resurrection of the Daleks, as twenty-one deaths in one episode. Wow! And fifty-three altogether. Wow! Um, yeah, I, so th- there's quite a lot of deaths in this, but um, yeah, not too bad. <laughs> a lot of it occurs at the end, and I think that's why. Yeah, it's sort the of imp- a lump extermination yeah. of everybody, isn't it? Um, but. Yeah, so Grigori and Natasha. Yeah. Um, I thought they were played quite well. Yeah, I think they were all right. Yeah. Um, they played it like they already had that relationship, and they had that. Yeah, they did that quite well. Like they both trusted each other to do things. Yeah, to and, a point. Yeah, they yeah. they sort of they go along with each other, don't they? Yeah. They, yeah, they were quite believable. They were all right. <laughs> One. One of the funniest scenes with them, though, is when they, I think they get captured and Lilt starts to pour, uh, you know, Grigori's flask, starts yeah. to pour that, you know, over him. 
around like waterboarding, but it's like droplets. And Natasha screams, "You're going to kill him!" Okay. Well, I I don't particularly like that because it's to make him drunk, isn't it? Because it's it's whiskey. It's, yeah, because it's alcohol. In the, it, that's in yeah, there. To, and yeah, I'm not a fan of that. Yeah, I I really don't like that scene. I've got a proper a real problem with that. Why? I just don't like the the violence in that bit. Yeah, not that I haven't got a problem with the violence, but it just I know what you mean. It's it doesn't fit in Doctor Who, but it fits in this episode. I suppose if you try and think of it as not being, yeah, I suppose, I suppose, because it is a quite a, a bleak. The whole aesthetic of this story is bleak. It is. It's nasty. Yeah, it's, it's surreal. It's full of dark humour. It's very yeah. grim. Um, I, so, yeah. yeah. Let's let's move on. Uh, what about the DJ? The DJ. Um, Alexi Sale. So, I think the DJ will bring me to a topic that you know, I have lots of questions about. So, the okay. DJ has a fascination with Earth, doesn't he? and the culture and he like impersonates what he's heard on radios doesn't he yeah i quite liked him it's it, i didn't i'm glad he wasn't in it more than he was but i feel like this exaggerated version of like a radio presenter and one that's really annoying and mm. false is what i would believe it's what I'd, I would have thought would be someone like in the future looking back, like, oh, this is how they would be. Yeah, maybe. I think, <laughs> maybe. Uh, I, I quite liked it. I'd, I just don't see... I just don't feel the character needs to be there. And Alexi Sale, he's not an actor. No. Yeah, but then again... Than arguably, Tazambika. But... I don't know. I just feel like the character isn't really there for a reason. Um, I'd agree there. And I don't think anybody else could play it, not play it better, just make it any more worthwhile. It's a nice place for Perry to go, so she's out the way. I suppose, yeah. Their relationship's a bit odd that hmm. she's just obsessed with this. Is your accent real? <laughs> No, it's not. <laughs> I know. Even even I thought Alexi Sale would have seen through Perry's fake American accent. But, but isn't um, it nice that she gets a touch? And she says, doesn't she? Like it feels like that she's home. Yeah, I suppose. Like yeah, it's nice, the whole actually. journey with her, as you said, is you know she wants to go home. I think yeah, it's quite basically. nice that she gets like a taste of it. That is true. Yeah, I didn't think of that actually. So I think she is there. No, he's the DJ's there, literally for Perry. And it's an Maybe, interesting... yeah, actually, yeah. It's and just it's a... Yeah, and that's why I don't fully agree that she's treated so poorly, intentionally, like, you know, not in this story. Yeah. Um, she does have someone to go and someone to relate to. Granted, it's not for long, and I'm quite glad it's not for long, and it doesn't need to be any longer than it is. Um, yeah. So much iconography in this story, because you do have trust... The guy who's obsessed with American culture to have a big fucking gun <laughs> in his office to destroy the Daleks. With I rock and brilliant. roll. Exactly. I thought it was brilliant. Um, and it's, I think it, yeah. is, it is interesting that uh, his job is to feed information to these frozen people. Um, why? I'm not too sure. How they can hear? I'm not too sure. 
Um, why he's doing it in that style, again, I'm not too sure. Yeah, it's, it's a package yeah. you can pay for, isn't it? Yeah, it's like an optional extra yeah. thing, isn't it? That's, and if I nice. saw that, if you had to go into Stasis and like, you could buy this package for Harold, like, honestly, that'd be his version of hell. I'd rather yeah. just like stick, you know. <laughs> I'd, yeah, I imagine. Be terrible. So now we're on to the last what was your couple version? of... What was your thoughts Sorry. on the DJ? I think I've said it really. He's just sort of a pointless... He's not... He doesn't do anything. Yeah. Um, I don't mind him. He's he's not terrible. Mm. It's just the character does nothing for me, so I've just got no... It doesn't, doesn't yeah. bother me. And we don't see him enough really for me to be overly annoyed that he's there. Mm. It's a bit annoying that it cuts to him at like yeah, bits th- that you think are good. I think that you was know. done in a way to inspire some relation to like 1984 or something like that. Like, yeah, he's there for like a narrative reason, isn't he? Yeah. More than anything, but yeah, it's okay. It's okay. It is, isn't it? Um, And then we move on to the last couple of characters, Orsini and Bostock. Now, you go first with this one. What did you think? Uh, amazing. Mm. Really underplayed. William Gaunt as Orsini especially. Fantastic. Isn't he great? Really, really good. Um, his lines are brilliant as well. You really yeah. get a feel that he is an experienced like assassin. Yeah. And he doesn't trust anyone apart from uh Bostock. Yeah. And Bostock is what was what was what he said? Like he doesn't wash or anything. He smells of rotting flesh. But he's yeah. a good uh what is he? He might Sorry. smell like rotting flesh, but he's a good squire yeah. or something. You know, yeah. Um, their relationship's great, mm. um, and they're played so well. They're played yeah. exactly how you'd want it done. I can't yeah. think of a way you'd better do it. And William Gaunt especially, because he's supposed to got, have a fake leg, isn't he? Yeah. And he can't sit and down. And when he knocks it, and a big gong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's really funny. And he um, he can't sit down, can he, because it, it, he's got a faulty valve. Yeah. And it'll seize. And but he plays the whole way through the story. He plays with a limp, which is well done because yeah. I think people would forget or not forget to do it. But he does play it as if he has got a false leg, and he yeah. doesn't forget at any point. It's not as if you think oh he didn't do it then, he didn't limp. Yeah, but he does it so well. And the end scene, you know, where he's got the bomb and he says it's the thing that I've got to yeah. do. You know, yep. run. Yeah. I wouldn't hesitate to blow up this bomb right now, Doctor. Yeah, fabulous. He's so, so good. Like rubbing his head, Bostock, as he, you know, he's already yeah, passed. It's so it's well done. Great. Like, I, I, I'm open-mouthed when I'm watching him on the screen, and mm. you just can't take your eyes off him. He's so underplayed as well. And he's, Bostock... on the DVD, he's on the DVD extras as well, saying that he, has, like, he really enjoyed it and he was really proud of what he did. Oh, brilliant. Um. Which is more than can be said for Clive Swift. Who's that? Uh, Joe Bell. Why? What did he say? Uh, Joe Bell, he was interviewed um, in Doctor Who magazine about this story, I think. And um, he said something that Doctor Who fans pay the programme way too much attention. Like, it's just a programme, why do they think? And the interviewer said, well, we care. You know, it's... It's it's a thing for us, and Clive Swift just walked off, <laughs> just got up. Oh, God's sake! Bye. 
But on the DVD extras, he's really he's quite happy to be there. Mm. But money, was he money, sitting money? down? Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so he can't can sit down in real life. Yeah, yeah, he can't sit okay. down. Uh, one of Bostock uh, is a great squire. Great squire. Uh, one line he has is a great example of not only like how woke this story is about itself um but how like the cinematography and the script and the sound design all intertwine and really play well together um so it's it's a blink and you miss it moment but right before a scene changes he says to this is about Tarkis and Lilt uh he just says they're they're like a double act and then it cuts oh yeah 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 yeah. brilliant yeah it's yeah it's great it is and, fantastic. And then we're on to basically the last on-screen character, really. Uh, that's the head of Arthur Stengos in The Glass Dalek. Yes. He's only in it for, you know, a couple of minutes. Yeah. Um, really well played. Mm. It, um, yeah. Fantastic it, it, design as well. Isn't makeup. it? That thumping on his head. Yeah, that throbbing. It's great. It's fabulous. Um, I liked how, as he was talking... Like the more he was talking by like hit the end of before he was destroyed. Yeah. Um slowly but surely you start to hear that Dalek way of speaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come into of, it. Yeah. It was really, really nice. It's yeah. And played really well. Really, really well. Mm. So I'm interested in something now. I don't know whether you've noticed. Um, but this story, Revelation and Journey's End, Stolen Earth, were all directed by the same person, Graham Harper. Right. So he directed all of these stories. And Stolen Earth? Yep, Stolen Earth, Journey's End, and Revelation of the Daleks. What happened? Because Revelation of the Daleks treats its characters so well, and the story so well, and how everything intertwines together to result in this great story that doesn't really include the Doctor, but still. I do have a reason for that, by the way, why I think they chose that that um, okay. way of writing it. Um, yeah, and then the, the Journey's End in Stolen Earth is literally how not to do it. It's so such a tacky example of what to do with a bunch of characters that are loved, or at least should be loved, by fans. Yeah. I'm really surprised that it's done by the same director, which leads me to think that one, he's out of his prime, or two, it was just a much better writer and much much better team. I think people, people do gush over Graham Harper, um, maybe rightly so. I don't know. He also did um, from New Who. Uh, he's done Rise of the Cybermen and the Age of Steel. No way. Uh, Army of Ghosts and Doomsday. Wow. Uh, 42. Utopia. Last of the Time Lords. Uh, Planet of the Ood. Turn Left. Stolen Earth. Journey's End. Unicorn and the Wasp. The Waters of Mars. Uh, and from Old Who, he did something with Warrior's Gate a little bit. Caves of Androzani. Or Caves of Androzani, rather. Uh, and that's it for Old Who. Right. But yeah. I think it's only him and maybe somebody else that's done both Old Who and New Who. Mm. Um 
that is really but, interesting. Yeah. I don't I'm not sure if it's just a fluke that this one was so brilliant for me or if it's an amalgamation of really good things that push everything up um and Maybe. make it one like a great episode for me. I'm not too sure. Uh, but I well, am surprised because those you know the two of those stories he's directed we've already you know talked about yeah. and they really don't hold up to you know the standards of this one. Yeah. To me. Well, one of the main complaints people have for this story is that mm. the Doctor and Perry have nothing to do, really, with I the plot of the... The Doctor, mostly. Well, even so, you know, he's a sort of, he's an important part to the plot. Like, he's there because of Arthur Stengos. Mm. But he doesn't have, he, he has no impact on what's happening or what happens rather you know the plan to kill davros is already there and is carried out without the doctor yeah you know yeah the doctor helps a bit at the end sort of but it's still orsini and bostock that hmm. explode the bomb it's sort of you know i think this is an example of how situations and dire situations can be resolved without the doctor yeah not totally but this is where i'll go into this is how this story treats the doctor it's really interesting and it's yeah it comes about well if you think of the first episode he's not really there he doesn't even enter the building does he in the first episode no they don't get there until episode two so they're just strolling along. Perry suggesting good ideas, like should we bring the TARDIS closer and things? And he's saying, "No, no, I got this. I know what I'm doing." Yeah, we're just going to head in because he's that curious and his ego is that big that he thinks he can just go in there. And yeah, this suppose, is yeah. completely supported by the fact. Well, we'll talk about his ego first. So <laughs> for some reason, um. This really comes to light at the end of the first episode when you've got a big pillar of the Doctor with his face on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's shocked by it. Not by, why did they erect this pillar of me? More so, why is this pillar here now? Am I already dead? Surely his reaction would be, why is there a pillar of me? And then... the Well, I think he is thinking that, isn't he? He's thinking, why is it there? I must be dead. Yeah, but not why is the statue even there, though, of me? Why is it a statue of me? It's rather, this statue is or it should be there, but why is it there now? Well, it, yeah, but I think it's it's that because he thinks he's bumped into his own timeline. So yeah. he's arrived at a different point in time where he's already dead. So yeah. he thinks, shit, there's a statue of me. Why? why? Well, I must be dead. But- yeah, but he doesn't think. Why is there a statue in the first place of me? Is my like is he, is his ego that big that there should be a statue of me? At oh, some so point? you think he assumes that there would yeah. be a statue of him? But anyway. why is there a statue now? So yeah, yeah. second episode gets up um, and he's fine, and Jobel comes over and says, "Well, it would take a mountain to crush an ego like yours." I thought that was brilliant. Mm. Um, that leads on to the curiosity because. In this story, I kept looking at the Doctor's wardrobe. What a weird 
The Why coat got... is is odd. Yeah, and he's got question marks on his collar and a cat badge. I was like, right. So he's full on curious, so curious to the extent that he's willing to, you know, put people in jeopardy. And he does that, the doctor. Yeah. And with the cat, I thought it was really because the thing why a cat. Um, curiosity well, w- killed the cat. There was well, maybe there was some sort of a whole plot that he was going to have a space cat, right? At some point, but yeah, we won't go go into that. Okay, but um, yeah, the coat is sort of synonymous with with the way Colin Baker plays it. Really, hmm. it's very. Ugh. It's jarring. Is is it's very different. Yeah. Um, and you know, it, it, I I don't mind Colin as the Doctor. No, I don't either. Um, but yeah, but the story seems to hate him. <laughs> well, that's Eric Saywood. So Eric Saywood doesn't like the character of the Doctor, so mm. just doesn't write him. Right. So he creates these other characters for the plot to revolve around, and just sticks the Doctor in. Mm. So. I think in this story, it's written so it only highlights his flaws. Yeah, and it doesn't redeem him from that, I don't think. Yeah. To the point where he's celebrating torturers at the end. It's a well, yeah, very, very yeah. harsh story for the Doctor. I will say as well, uh, we've missed out a character, um, but it will tie in to the beginning of the story, the mutant that Perry kills. Yeah. Um, so Ken Barker played the mutant. A fun little fact is supposedly, I don't know whether how true it is, Laurence Olivier was supposed to play the mutant. Right. Or was, you know, was was a name brought up. Because I think Laurence Olivier had said that he would like to be in Doctor Who. Mm. But in a capacity where people wouldn't know it was him. <laughs> So just burn all the skin and So I think it was originally the idea was that if we're gonna get Lawrence Olivier, he can play the mutant. Hmm. But um, they didn't the, get him. The, but they didn't. <laughs> but I think he plays it he plays that mutant really well. Hmm. Um And the death is very odd, especially that the mutant forgives Perry for killing him. Now, this scene is right at the beginning. Yeah. And it has no impact seemingly on the rest of the story. Why no, is it I think there? It, it, it's just a thing. It's the first um, sort of sense that there's something odd going on hmm. in Tranquil Repose, isn't it? So it's he's one of Davros's experiments. Like Perry kills something. The Doctor is usually quite It's brushed annoyed off, when, isn't it? Of sort of, yeah. well, you've killed him. Well, there's, what else were you going to do? Yeah, the Doctor's usually you know quite against killing. <laughs> Yeah. And but. Perry just goes on. Then they go about chitter and chattering. So I thought that was quite strange. I didn't like it that. It was about a bit this. strange. And the the I don't like the insults between the doctor and Perry at the beginning where he just keeps calling her fat. I didn't I didn't pick up on that. Where he just keeps saying, Well, you you eat too much. And she no said, way. Oh, this coat is so tight and he said, Well maybe if you don't eat as much Because they're talking about that. Yeah, uh, she's got the thing. apple, doesn't she, or whatever she's eating. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then when he's lifting her over the wall, 
And he says, well, maybe if you weren't so heavy. Yeah. So you know. weird. And it's like, well, So he's you know. a woman hater, a woman hater now. <laughs> he loves torture. He's a woman hater and he's got a massive fucking ego. And he's doing it to a woman who is obviously very slim. Yeah. It makes, no, you know... It's, it's, honestly, it, it, this berates the Doctor and it's, it's so... And I don't know whether it's just some sort of an in-joke that Collins... He's a big lad. You know, and I think it might it might be an in-joke of sort of, well, we'll just make the Doctor think everybody else... It's not him. <laughs> yeah. It's everybody else. You know, Again, I don't know. His ego. <sighs> oh, no, honestly, I know I'm going on about it, but this uh, honestly goes on and on. Every scene he's in is almost detrimental to the Doctor's image. It's I've yeah. never seen one like it. I think that's why I liked it so much, because not only because of that, because it's just so refreshing. It is very it's so different. Well it's written. a very different story. It stands Isn't alone. It? Um. So, yeah, so let's just... I think we've sort of covered the plot, really, by there just is... talking about the characters. Yeah, there is one thing. I would like to pick up on, and I thought it was very strange. Go on. Why is there so many things related to Earth? Is This isn't on Earth, is it? It's not on Earth, but they are humans. So it's a colony of... Right, okay. It's in the future of Earth. Because you've got, like, pyramids in the background of a, like, on the outside. And I think yeah. it comes up on a screen. You've got... um. Lots of like gothic architecture inside, and every every area where the characters are feels completely different. It, yeah, I'm, it's very different. This is it's at the end of a series. This as well, so I think the budget is gone out of the window. So Davros's lair down in the catacombs or whatever I can't think of what the word is. I'm sure that set is a set from something else. It's not for Doctor Who. They it were was using strange, some because it's I filled think, with, um like artifacts and things like that. It's really nice though because they Isn't they it? light they light the set from the bottom, don't they? Hmm. So it gives it a sort of you know like when you put a torch under your head. Yeah. Another podcast that I listened to for this story, I listened to see what a few other people think said. Can't remember who it was. They said, you know like when you put a torch under your head to sort of do a spooky face hmm. thing. It gives the set that impression because the light, it's lit from below rather than yeah. from above. So it's really nice. And, and the set's brilliant. Isn't it? I think it's really good. Work. And there's very, no sort of wobbly, different. there's no wobbly sets or things that look no. a bit odd. It's generally, it's you know, it's pretty good. There are some things like, there was one shot in particular actually, talking about sets. Um, so it's supposed to be these very long corridors for this big building. Oh yeah, and there's one of the shots where the camera seems to go through the floors to see all of the. Where you think people... the telly's broke? Yeah, yeah, it's so cool. It's, I don't even yeah, think it brings weird, it down. It's like it? You could clearly see the cardboard cut out of you know the corridor going on and on and on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I think that was done quite well actually. It the was, sort of, but it, to, to make it the was in one particular scene. It was quite bad. Like you can see yeah. the corridor goes up. Why does it goes up? Oh right, <laughs> into okay. the ceiling. It's really weird. But on the whole, it's yeah fantastic so yeah so i enjoy this story it's got its flaws and for me i can't forgive it for the torture scenes right okay it really does something to me that i can't it takes a bit of the enjoyment out of the story for me um i would argue but it's got but it's got a great guest cast yeah 
a really, really great guest cast. I don't think, other than Taz and Beaker and maybe the DJ, mm. everybody else is fabulous. Could you argue that that torture scene came about because it's this colony in the future, you know, the human, and immediately when the doctor's the doctor first arrives, there's a death. Immediately, going into it, there's manipulation, um, torture, um, uh, like a fake DJ that's feeding out lies. Uh, a CEO. It's like a whole capitalist building yeah. where it's it's like concentrated humankind. Uh, this is what you know happens. There's betrayal. I suppose there's so. deceit. It's it's it is really dark and gloomy. But then you have these moments, like at the end when the Davros gets his hand shot off, and then yeah, um, the Doctor goes to shake his hand. Yeah. Oh, it, did you remember? Oh. Oh, I quite liked it. No harm in trying. Oh, God. Mm. And then there's the scene at the end, isn't there? I'll take you to Blackpool. <laughs> so they cut the Blackpool. I'm sure, from what I've read, it is Blackpool. He is going to say, no, I'll take I thought you, you to just Blackpool. made that up. So the, the next story that was supposed to be filmed before the hiatus, from what I've read hmm. was a story set in Blackpool with the Celestial Toymaker right. which is an old character from a William Hartnell story called the Celestial Toymaker um, but it never got made. I think Big Finish have done it but you know, say it three times and Big Finish will do it Yeah, it's um, yeah, they've what was I going to say? Yeah, it was, it, was, it was cut to sort of, I'll take you to Birmingham Birmingham so, um, yeah. So I can't really forgive Colin for that. Oh, well, it's not his fault. It's not but... his fault. The, honestly, the story treats my shit. It does treat him like shit. So, um, yeah, what are your end thoughts? I will say as well, we see Davros levitate. Yeah, that's quite well done. Yeah. Um, Orsini's leg does disappear slightly into the CSO. Yeah. But, you know, it's all right. It's it, This story was going to be the story to sort of get rid of the myth that the Daleks can't get upstairs. So, right. you know when Orsini and Bostock are making their way to the Tranquil Repose? Yeah. And they destroy the Dalek outside? Yeah. He goes around the corner and shoots the Dalek. Well, Yeah, apparently, it's just like a, a little minigun, and it manages yeah. to blow up the Dalek. Well, supposedly, uh, well, at that point, we were supposed to see the Dalek fly. Right. And he was going to shoot it down, but because of the snow, they couldn't do it. But they were, they were going to do it with an air cannon where they were just going to fire this Dalek into oh, the air. <laughs> oh, my God. But because of the snow, they couldn't they couldn't do it. So they just had to destroy it on the floor. So maybe we dodged a bullet there, but I'd love to Probably, have seen yeah. a Dalek yeah. getting blasted at 300 mile an hour of an air cannon. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so at the end of that, what do, what did you reckon? I don't think there's much more we can say, really. No. Do you want to give it a rating? I enjoyed it. Did you enjoy it? I yeah. It was a well crafted story. I've seen this a lot. It is one that I rewatch not on a regular basis, but you know, I've seen it. I could. I knew it well enough that I knew the story without having to rewatch it for this. I did mm. rewatch it, but you know, I would have been all right mm. if I didn't see it. 
Interested before we give it a score, where do you think it placed on the Mighty Two Hundred? So, Stolen Earth came thirteenth. Where do you reckon? In the twenties. No, I reckon it's like forty odd. Forty sixth. Okay. I think it's miles better than Journey. Journey's End. Uh, I'd say it's better than Journey's End. Um, I'll give it a nine. A nine out of ten. I was that impressed with it. I'd I'd go a seven or an eight. Okay, I'll go seven. I think I might be fabricating and giving this story excuses, but it everything was so well crafted that I'm going to believe that everything was done on purpose. It was it was intended yeah, you know, to be like what I'm thinking in my head. It was done. Yeah, it was done well. Yeah. Executed well. Yeah, and if that is the case, which I think it is, I'm going to give it a nine. All right, that's fine. Uh, should we move on to some feedback? Let's do it. We've got three bits of no. feedback. Yes! Whee! Take that, you stealing podcast thief. All right, then. Um, Come on, then. <laughs> okay, so the first bit of feedback we've got is from Keith Say. Hi, Keith. Uh, hi, Keith. Uh, Keith has this to say on Revelation. I adored Revelation when it was first on. Violent, gory, dark humour, grim plot and Daleks. Everything a teenager wanted. Even Doctor Who was fun again after three years of Doctor Beige. <laughs> Colin <laughs> re- remains my favourite Doctor Who. Wow. So, isn't that interesting? Yeah, that is interesting. Uh, yeah, I'm not lost for words, but good. I'm, I like that. Why do you think Keith he's saying fun? that? Why do you think he's saying yeah. it? Yeah, because it's his favourite Doctor Who. No, I know, but why do you think? What? Maybe we should ask him. Keith. Sure. If you could let us what? know why. Yeah, I, honestly, I, yeah. I'm really interested. All right, yeah. Keith, if you hear this, could you send us another bit of feedback, please? <laughs> uh, explaining why you like Colin. Uh, Doesn't that highlight how malleable this episode is? This yeah, story? that is true, I suppose. Yeah. Like, it could be seen from many angles, and that's a sign of good art, to be honest. What else does Keith have to have to say? Uh, Keith has this to say about the Stolen Earth. My biggest memory of Journey and Stolen was that the amazing cliffhanger. I was at work for resolution. Uh, I was at work for the resolution of the cliffhanger, and just as we were about to find out how the regeneration was resolved, one of my <laughs> one of my patients poured his drink onto the TV, causing sparks and a black screen. No. Angry emoji. Oh, well, no. Keith. <laughs> oh God. Uh, and then Journey's End. <laughs> it's trendy to slag off this story, but it's very entertaining, and the series has never been as popular again. Yeah, I I, I have heard that uh, the cliffhanger where the tenant is regenerating. Yeah, like the amount of publicity that got, and everyone talk about it. Who could it be? Who's you know who typecasted? You know. Yeah. And the next episode happened. <laughs> Uh, next bit of feedback TSP and OE podcasts uh, like most of New Who stories everything happens now nothing is given time to breathe Br- breathe breathe. short attention span theatre these two felt no different to me Dr Donna was a great idea but it happens and then it just unhappens absolutely. just long enough to solve the problem lazy writing in my opinion absolutely I'd fully agree well there you go fully agree it is lazy writing and one if the script is bad there's not much more you can do 
it goes on to say, I was slagging these stories off before it was cool. Oh, neither story, <laughs> neither story falls into favourite time of Who for me. Colin Baker is one of the better audio doctors, but one of the worst TV doctors. Right. We will rewatch this when we get up to it in our family watch watch it all journey, but I won't enjoy it. Oh no! So he just didn't enjoy either episode, uh, either story. Fuck off! No, so he didn't that's... enjoy either story. No. What a shame. It is a shame. But, you know, people have got to like it, people have got to hate it. What are you going to no, do? No, for sure. And last, it supports my point that it makes good art. Exactly. Well, and no, then... because if a script's shit, then it's shit, though, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because people, somebody likes it, so... Yeah. You know, it's got to be... It, it, there's points you can take away from everything, isn't there? Absolutely. Uh, we've got uh, another bit of feedback from Leroy on Twitter that has this to say about the stolen earth. Uh, pink eye. So... <laughs> <laughs> what? Isn't pink eye where <laughs> it's contagious when you, when, when you get shit in your eyes? Yeah, it, it's, I'm sure it's like a bacteria in your eye and it develops uh, to like it makes your eye red. You seem very knowledgeable about this. <laughs> What's happening? Uh well, I'm guessing it's either the story is like having shit in your eyes. Right. Or it's from, you know, when they're on the Jadoon bit and there's the woman with the really right. red eyes. Right. Oh, God, yeah. God, yeah. Um. So, yeah, thanks for that bit of feedback. <laughs> <laughs> so, um... <laughs> God, I'm shitting your eye. Oh. I might steal that now. So if I ever don't like an episode, I'll just say it it's like pink, pink eye. eye. It's like I'm in shit in your eyes. Oh, my God. Thank you, Leroy. Well, there we go. So that's it for Revelation and Journey's End, Stolen Earth. Or Stolen Earth, Journey's End. Uh, what are we doing next time? Next time? Well, I've decided to go for an episode that I've seen all the prior episodes and obviously the latter ones. What? I've seen all the prior ones and this story doesn't involve the doctor too much okay but i think it's well written and well casted it's the absorbaloff episode oh christ i know i pink know eye. It's, pink eye it's controversial <laughs> i know it's easy know. for you to say so the absorbaloff episode is called love and monsters and it takes place in season two episode 10 of course it does it reads the synopsis i mean who is the sinister and mysterious Victor Kennedy? And why is he keen to find the Doctor? That's it. Is that it? Oh, I always read the BBC iPlayer ones. Oh, the BBC. Oh, right, okay. Because so, the synopsis for, for like, TARDIS wiki and stuff like that gives too much away. I suppose, yeah. Um, so, the story I've chosen for you... I've done this because I stumbled across the Mighty 200 list. Right. And I thought it would be good for you. We're going to go for a fifth Doctor story, a Peter Davison story. Uh, and this is, as voted, the number one story of all time. This will be interesting. So I've chosen a story that's considered one of the worst. And this is the best. Wow, this will be interesting. This is the Caves of Androzani. Right. Okay, so it's a fifth Doctor story. It's Peter Davison. Uh, and the synopsis is this. Arriving on the planet... Uh, sorry. 
Arriving on the barren world of Androzani Minor, the Doctor and Perry find themselves embroiled in a long-running underground war. Will the Doctor make the ultimate sacrifice to save his young friend's life? So Perry is returning. She is returning. So she's a hated companion, but yet she's polled as in the best story, to be in the best story. Right. She's she's amazing. I'm really looking forward to watching this. Considered the best story. I'd like to sink my teeth into this. Okay. So those that's what we're covering next time. Love of Monsters and the Caves of Androzani. If you've got any feedback that you'd like to send in for those two stories, all of the information, as always, for sending in your feedback is at the end of the podcast. <laughs> so it's time to move on to the next segment. Is it that time to move on? Oh, it is. The year is unknown. Across the universe, galaxies are plagued with a new threat. Which the other worlds have opened, and the dark void draws closer to consuming time and space itself. In the recesses of the planet Enemy Seltab, two randomly chosen heroes are sucked through the rift and forced to fight in an effort to find the one who can save the universe. This is Battles in Time. Oh, that's a sound I recognise. Well, here in my hand is a fresh deck. (laughs) A fresh deck. (laughs) We have a whole, a fresh deck of Doctor Who Battles in Time cards. Lots of characters, lots of faces, lots of possibilities. All we know is that whoever is chosen will go up against Cassandra in human form. Brilliant. Amazing. Uh, the crate's been quite tired today. Is it? Yeah. I swear it's shrunk. Maybe. Maybe the by weather like five millimetres, but there's like a gap that I can actually move around now. Maybe it's because I'm taking so many cards out. I'm not too sure. Oh, maybe. You've had your heating on. Maybe the crate is... That could be it, sw- isn't it? Yeah. You might have swollen with the damp, <laughs> and now it's sort of, you know... Yeah. ...releasing itself. Hmm. Shall we pick a card? Let's pick a card. Pick a card, any card. I'll go, you go, I'll go first. You go first, go on. <laughs> the card I have chosen is Fry Clovis? Frau Clovis? No idea whatsoever. F-R-A-U. We'll just refer to her as Clovis. Or Clovis. <laughs> oh, we all love Clovis. So she is in the episode New York? No, New Earth. You know, with the cat doctor people. Oh, right. Oh, is she the woman with the blue guy? The Duke of Manhattan's assistant was extremely bossy. But not even she could tell the infected flesh what to do. Mm. So Duke of Manhattan's like, bitch, really. Shall we pick your card? I'm going to go on, pick it, pick it, pick it. We have the Ambassador One. Is that the Ambassador of Death? When the Ambassador joined the party on Platform One to see the end of the world, it was nearly the end of him too. So I think Maybe he's off the party. Not... Cassandra in Cassandra's in this episode, but in skin form. Are there any classic Who cards? Yeah. Okay, because when you said the ambassador, my face lit up. 
thinking oh, it was I'm the ambassadors sorry. of death. And it is no. not, is it? No. Could I we'll see get the to picture? Cards at some point. Do you want Could to see, see the picture? The... Yeah, please, because I have no idea who it is. Oh, right. It's like a sort of... Um... Freak. <laughs> <laughs> He's got it's like eyes. a sensorite. He's got wobbly fingers with claws yeah. on the end. He's okay. quite pale in complexion. He is a bit pale. He looks kind of like an elf. Okay. Let's so, go. <laughs> the tricky thing is, I'm not too familiar with these characters because they're, they're very, very much throwaway characters. Like they are throwaway characters, like which is why seconds. I'm going to say I'm going to save myself here, and I'm going to say, why don't you take the lead? Fuck. So, Clovis, the woman, she's quite bossy. Mm. She's very protective. She is of her duke. And she believes that she can. Well, she's more like an assistant, really, isn't she? Not like a. Um... She's more like his secretary, isn't she? And the ambassador, I don't think he even speaks. Brilliant. Oh, that'll <laughs> piss her off. So no way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So let's set the scene. They've got to be watching the Earth die. Yeah, definitely. So, so they're gonna be they're gonna be on the uh, space station thing. Yeah, with okay. along with Cassandra in skin form. Oh right. Yeah. Okay. This is this is gonna be a tangled mess of a story. <laughs> it is. How the fuck is this gonna? Right. Here we go. My card, Clovis. She comes out the door, and you know the guys who. Well, she gives gifts. She gives the the doctor gifts. The doctor's there, by the way. <laughs> oh, he's there as well, is he? Yeah. So everyone's giving the doctor gifts as they do in the episode. Okay. And the batter gives his gift. I can't remember what he gave him. And Clovis gives him a slightly damp paper towel. That's it? Yeah. She gives the doctor this? Yeah. Right. That's what she gives him. Right. Okay. So she moves on then. Enjoys the party. She gets okay. breathed on by the doctor, by the way. Oh, nice. that's his gift, isn't it? The gift of breath. Yeah. So they're enjoying the party breath. now. They're enjoying the party. They're having, you know, a nice time. Nice Cassandra time. comes through with the jukebox and that song plays. So they're having a little bit of a party now. I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll give you some... Carry on with your story. Um, this is a great party, isn't it, Ambassador One? Um, he doesn't speak. He just blinks, but like each eye blinks individually. She takes offence to this because she thinks the ambassador's flirting with her. Right. So join the party. You go. Okay. Uh, so I'm just milling about as the. What you're talking to Clovis? Yeah. Well, I'm not talking because I don't speak. Well, no, but you're like. Flicking your eyelids at it. Yeah. Yeah. And because I'm not giving her a response, I reckon she's getting a bit bit tepid. She's a bit She's a bit miffed. Yeah. Yeah. Like she's like, right, is there anyone else to talk to here? Or So I accidentally, I reckon at this point, the ambassador accidentally steps on her toe. She yells (laughs) out. Why? I don't know, just accidentally just steps on her toe. She yells out in pain. The ambassador doesn't doesn't react. But she reacts 
by using her two forefingers, her two forefingers, <laughs> her middle finger and her forefinger to poke the the four eyes of right. the ambassador, um, who doesn't cry out in pain, just drops to the floor with his hands. Oh God, that's scary, isn't it? Mm. Just no silent. sound. Now everyone, they're unsure what's happening. Yeah. And that little blue guy is like looking over his shoulder, like, "Oh, what's happening?" Mm. And by this point, you know, Doctor Rose had gone. So They've had just, enough. Yeah, well, they've gone like to investigate the what what's happening on the ship, isn't? Aren't they? So, um, so she's feeling a bit guilty now. She thinks, "Oh no, like he only stepped on my shoe." She's quite protective, so <laughs> she goes to pick up, you know, help get the ambassador up. As she go, as she bends over to uh, pick the ambassador off, can we have like a carry on Swanee whistle? <laughs> <laughs> of course, yeah. <laughs> so he's up now. He like blinks. He's out. He's got pink eye. Oh no! Yeah. <laughs> and that's his, that's feeling... him blinking, by the way. Wow, she's, she's feeling pretty bad about it. The ambassador goes off and talks to ambassador. Two and three. <laughs> Clover's feeling like pretty bad now. Like, oh, what, what have I done? Oh, no. I didn't mean to. My foot's like hurting a little bit, but not. Not to warrant like, poking him in the eye <laughs> four times. So Basta comes back and she's thinking, like, she puts down a drink and thinks, right, you know, I should say sorry now. Mm. Take it away. Okay, so she goes over to say sorry, but the ambassador... No, he, he just... comes back over. Oh, uh, he comes back over? Yeah. All right, and he just lashes out. <laughs> Full on, just smacks her in the face. So they must have, like, communicated, you know, in that group and said, you should just fucking deck her. Yeah, they must... What happened to you? And Yeah, they look just deck her. Right. So he walks over, punches her in the face and jelly legs her. Mm. And I reckon at that point... She smacks her head against the the uh, the the glass wall of the you know the observation deck. Yeah. Crack. Right. Some sun rays do crack through, don't they? Well, yeah, exactly. So they get, it cracks. Everybody starts panicking, thinking, "What on earth? What are we going to do here? <laughs> what is happening?" And at that point, glass smashes. Everybody gets sucked through the door. Oh, my God. Sucked straight out. Except Cassandra, because she's got a little suction thing, isn't she? Stuck to yeah. the floor. Everybody's gone. Cassandra wins. That's shit. By default. Oh, come on. What? What is quick episode? That was done quick. Well, how... You can't argue with what happened. <laughs> That's what it then. It it must be. It has to be. <laughs> it's pretty weak fucking glass, isn't it? Uh, weak glass. Do yeah. you know how hard he pushed her? <laughs> no. Honest to God, she's gonna feel that. Well, she's not now because she's in the void of space, ripped apart. <laughs> so Cassandra wins by default. Yeah. Ah. Oh. It's sad. But it's just the game of life. Five minute episode? Isn't it sad though? 
I mean, I in guess. In some but... ways, in some ways, I think it's it's poignant. But still, Cassandra reigns supreme. Oh fucking hell! That's it then. Well, it's a sad day. It's a sad day, and two shit characters that we chose. <laughs> but you know, they fought their fight, and it is what it is. You can't argue. The story's already been written. It can't be changed. It's a fixed moment in time, isn't it, really? Yeah. Well, on that sombre note, next episode, we're going to be doing Lover Monsters and the Caves of Androzani. If you'd like to send us in your feedback for those stories, listen on just after this message and all the information will be there. Wow. Well... Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you. Goodbye. You can send us your feedback and comments by contacting us on Twitter at WhoCanConvince, email us at WhoCanConvinceYou at gmail.com, or find us on Facebook at Doctor Who Who Can Convince You Podcast. Be sure to leave us a rating and a comment on your podcast platform to help people find us.